Hi, this is Jalen for Dobbs, where tire buying is easy. At GoToDobbs.com, shop brands, sizes, pricing, and our amazing deals. With 40-plus locations, get same-day install. For tires, it's Dobbs. For deals you can use, click on GoToDobbs.com now. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This is a character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. It is 7.01 in St. Louis, and your time check is brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. It's time for Carriker and Smallman, a new week here on 101 ESPN with Michelle Smallman. I'm Randy Carriker, and it is great to have you with us. Good morning, Michelle. How was your weekend? Randy, it was great. Beautiful weather yesterday. Yeah, nice and uh, cool relative to Saturday. And relative to what we're going to get this week. Yeah, apparently it's going to be like, feels like 100 the surface of the sun, essentially. Yeah, yeah right. great. Gotta love that out of St. Louis summer. How was your weekend, Randy? It was good. Played some golf. Played in a golf tournament uh, on Saturday. And it was warm. Toasty. And then yesterday, <laughs> I did work around the house. We had some uh, tree branches that have fallen, fallen, and I cleared those up. Uh, I had to go to uh, Nards and pick up some mulch and carry that around. And then uh, yesterday, I got on the roof. We had a bird a group of birds, a family of birds, that had worked their way through some of the wood next to our gutter. We have gutter helmet. So I had to go up on the roof because they had built a nest under the gutter helmet. Had to take off a portion of the gutter helmet, take out a family's house, and then put the gutter helmet back on. That sounds uh, like a pretty extensive job, Brandy. Especially on a day like yesterday. For sure. And for those who don't know, you've had uh, an unpleasant instance on your roof. Yeah, I had a, mis- had a mishap. A mishap is a way to put it. So yeah. uh, I don't know if you want to explain that, but I would imagine getting up on the roof is scary anyway. But for you, probably doubly scary. I don't look down. <laughs> yeah. yeah. In uh, 2003, I fell off of a ladder, the top rung of a ladder, and broke both of my wrists. Mm. And I remember looking down and it being in slow motion. I'm exceptionally careful now when I get up on a roof. I'm surprised you just don't pay somebody else to do it. I don't know if I would ever go up there and do that again. Yeah, well. Somebody's got to do it, so it might as well be me. <laughs> That's one way to put it. When you fell, was there that moment where you knew it was going to happen, or did it just happen so? Oh quickly? no! It felt like it took five minutes. Yeah. it was unbelievable. It was like it was literally like it happened in slow motion. You were suspended in air. Yeah, it was amazing. That had to be awful. I wouldn't want to do it again. No, I wouldn't think so, Randy. <laughs> we are eleven days away from the start of Cardinal baseball, Michelle. <sighs> We're getting so close, Randy. So close we can taste it. We can. And the Blues start training camp today over at Centene. Those practices are closed to the public, but they're getting ready to head off to Edmonton and start their games. Let's start with the Redbirds, who had another intra-squad game yesterday. Miles Michaelis was one of the starters in that 115 game. And we're, we're questioning pretty much every day when we talk to the Cardinal players, we're questioning them about how they like participating in games against their teammates rather than other teams. And Miles Michaelis was asked yesterday about not only playing against his teammates, but kind of trash talking them. Yeah, I think, you know, obviously, you know, Paul hit a home run off me the other day. So he's, you know, he's a guy that I'm trying to get out, uh, you know, 
Our, our, our big time hitters are always fun. Pitching against Carp is fun because he has a great eye. So, you know, you know, it's, it's fun to kind of work him and Wong, uh, guys that have good eyes. Uh, it's fun to pitch against uh, Lane Thomas. You know, he's a good hitter, but, uh, you know, it's fun to fun to get him out. And, uh, you know, it's kind of everybody. It's it's fun facing Yachty. You know, he walked through the clubhouse today and he, he said hi to some other players. And then he looked at me and kind of gave me a look like, I'm going to get you today. So, uh, you know, guys are guys are coming after each other. And I think it makes it fun. I mean, imagine if you're used to Yachty being on the receiving end and then he comes up with that fiery look in his eye like, hey, you're my opponent today. That's what you need too, right? Oh, without a doubt. I'm sure that there are teams that, and the Cardinals get along really well and they're very competitive, but I'm sure there are teams and the manager kind of leads going through the motions. Hey, let's just get ready for baseball, but it's not a game that they really keep score. It's like Michelob Light for the winners at the end. <laughs> this one, uh, they care. They know who won at the end. Bragging rights. Yeah. Without a doubt. And um, Randy, we're Sunshine Lollipops positive mm-hmm. programming here. I keep thinking about how I'm confident in the Cardinals pitching, and I'm hoping that I'm going to be confident in their offense this year. But I think that cannot be a bad thing for this offense to be going up against this Cardinals pitching staff, who not only is solid, period, but seems to be further along than we expected them to be. So it seems like a, a good thing to have these guys going against one another. It'll be one of two things. Either that'll it'll make them better, it'll be the iron sharpens iron, mm-hmm. iron or iron char- sharpens iron, or they will just have no confidence when the season starts because they've been dominated so much by the Cardinals pitching. <laughs> but then you think maybe that confidence, Randy, trying to positive spin here, yeah. will ascend because they will go against pitching staff and be not as strong right. as their own? They'll say, oh man, this isn't anything compared to what I've been facing. Exactly. Now you heard Michaelis talk about how much fun it was to face Lane Thomas. Well, Thomas was standing right next to him. So did he hear that? I absolutely heard every every second of that. So <laughs> maybe, maybe we'll have to take that into the next time, you know, we face each other. <laughs> it's nice so, that they all have such a great relationship, but that they're serious about this. Yeah. You know, you can tell there it's there's some jest involved, but they also genuinely want to beat one another. Right. And for his part, Michaelis is getting something out of facing his teammates. It's different in that I get to immediately uh, talk trash or not talk trash to them. But I think my mentality is the same. I'm going out there and I'm trying to get guys out, you know, whether it's, you know, if I'm going fishing with Wong tomorrow on the off day, I'm, I'm still looking at him as, you know, public enemy number one when he gets in that box. Uh, you know, it's, it's an inner squad and we're teammates, but for that short amount of time, you know, I'm, I'm not trying to be your friend. Uh, I'm trying to get ready for the season. And I think as these games get even closer and these inner squad games get stretched out even longer, I think you're going to see a little bit more of an edge and maybe some more trash talking and uh, maybe guys getting a little more gritty. I think it'll be fun. Michelle, I know that at their core, pro athletes are just really competitive people. But I wonder how much of that for the Cardinals comes from especially Molina and Wainwright, who they they saw Chris Carpenter's everyday competitiveness. He saw the everyday competitiveness of people like Halliday and Roger Clemens. And obviously their Pujols was incredibly competitive, even in a backfield game. I wonder how much of that comes from the leadership of this team where, like Wainwright, Wainwright says, if, if he's playing a board game against his daughters, he will not let them win. That He has to win the game. Not only did they have their peers who were that competitive, Tony La Russa was their manager. Right, good point. Dave Duncan was their pitching coach. So when you 
ascend as a professional in that environment where not only the people managing you and coaching you have that intensity 24-7, but your peers also adopt that mentality. That's not something that goes away. And I think with Chris Carpenter, when he played in Albert Pujols, they tended to wear it on their sleeve a little bit more than a guy like Adam Wainwright might, but make no mistake, he while he's fun and he's the prankster and you know he's you know Mr. Happy on the team, he is as competitive as anybody else out there. Absolutely. And you know that when he pitches, those guys are seeing, those hitters are seeing his best pitches. And you know that he's smiling. If he strikes somebody out, that he's probably fist pumping a little bit. For sure. So here we are, Michelle, 11 days away from the start of the season, as we mentioned. Mike Schill was asked how he, how he feels 11 days out. I think the best way we can say is how we feel about it is we're taking a day off tomorrow. And that doesn't mean we've got everything figured out. It just means we feel like we're in a place where the work's been very solid. It's been very efficient. Credit goes to the players. They came in spot on. They're focused. Their attention to detail, the ability to execute everything that we've done to this point in camp's been been really really clean we've been able to get the at bats guys have been able to get their work in off the mound so i feel like we're in a we're in a good good place clearly we're not gonna we're always looking to stay hungry and and move on and, and improve but our ability to feel like we're in a good place in a lot of areas allows us to be able to take a little bit of, of a break from it and uh, get back to to growing and getting better on Tuesday. a day off today well you know while you want them to realize that they have such a, sh- a short amount of time to get ready, I think Mike Schultz has the right approach here. You, you still have to pace these guys. And you know that coming up, it's going to be a big-time sprint. So if they're looking sharp and you want to give them a little bit of a spell, I think that's totally warranted. And this was a baked-in day off when everything got started. And then last Monday, they took the day off because of the tests. And we wondered if this might turn into a work day. But it does say a lot for the players that they're as close as they appear to be with uh, with only a week really a week and a half of work under their belts. Meanwhile, as we mentioned, the Blues start training camp today over at Centene, and you'd have to think that, similar to the Cardinals, that this veteran team that has won the Stanley Cup will be prepared to go. I I would not be surprised if in their workouts today at 10 and 11 a.m. that they look like they're in the end of training camp form. They're going to be ready to go. It'll probably take a little bit for them, I would imagine, to reach peak skating speed because it's just a different physical motion than a lot of these guys have been used to. But some of them have been skating. Some of them have been at Centene. And this this is a group of professionals. This is a group of champions. If, if any group is going to be ready to go, it's going to be our St. Louis Blues. That's Michelle. I'm Randy. And this is Carriker and Smallman on 101 ESPN. Next up, there's a big press conference in Washington today. But what are the Redskins trying to, well, the Redskins for the moment, trying to get out of this. That's next on 101 ESPN. Support for Character and Smallman is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-belt grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. They obsess over their technology developments to provide you the best tools for your grooming experience. Now, we know we've all heard stories about a funny or painful manscaping situation, but that's why Manscaped has redesigned the electric trimmer. The Manscaped engineering team spent 18 months perfecting the greatest trimmer ever created, and they just released the new and improved Lawn Mower 3.0. This third-generation trimmer features a cutting-edge ceramic blade to reduce manscaping accidents thanks to Manscaped's advanced skin-safe technology. And when I tell you this is premium, I mean 
premium. The battery's going to last up to 90 minutes so you can take a longer shave. The water-resistant technology allows you to groom in the shower. And one of the coolest features, the LED light, which illuminates grooming areas for a closer and more precise trimming. They've also upgraded to a 7,000 RPM motor with quiet stroke technology. And let's not forget about the charging stand. Show your mower off loud and proud because this intelligently designed stand is a convenient charging dock powered by USB. Now, if you're listening to me speak right now, I actually want you to experience this firsthand for yourself. And here's how you're going to do it. Get 20% off plus free shipping with the code SMALLS, that's S-M-A-L-L-S, at manscaped.com. One more time, 20% off plus free shipping with the code SMALLS at manscaped.com. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. The Washington Redskins have a press conference this morning and happening overnight. We learned that the Redskins will retire their name today, so they won't be the Washington Redskins. However, Michelle, they aren't prepared, according to reports, to reveal a new name this morning. So for the time being, they will just be known as Washington. The Washington football team. That's it. And by the way, a lot of people have been writing that for many years, the Washington football team or the Washington NFL team, because they had an aversion to writing and repeating the term Redskins. Sure. Randy, does this seem a little suspect to you, this press conference today? Something just isn't connecting for me. Why would you make this big press conference and this big show about retiring the name and not announce what the new team moniker is going to be? That's a great question. Why do it now? Why not, if you don't have it ready, why not wait until you have your new name in place? It doesn't really make sense to say, yeah, we're going to retire a name and then have another press conference a couple of weeks later where you say, okay, here is our new name, unless there is something else that is going to be revealed at this press conference. Perhaps. And there's some tweets going around, Randy, that indicate just that. Scott Abraham from ABC7, which is out in Washington, um, had an interesting tweet about eight hours ago, again, while you were sleeping. He says, there's much more going on at Redskins Park than a name change. I'm told by a source there will be some news that comes out tomorrow other than the name change, and it's not good. I did not get specifics, but get ready, people. That sounds ominous. It really does. And I saw this morning on CBS New, uh, CBSSports.com that the Washington football team had fired their top two employees in their pro scouting department. And then Abraham followed up with another tweet saying, I've been told this news has to do with the front office firings of Alex Santos and Richard Mann II. Again, no details, no specifics. Sorry, people. I'm waiting just like you. So I wonder if those things might be connected in some way. They seem like they could, not the name, but certainly those firings and uh, what's going to go on today. And it's not unusual. In fact, it's it's very typical that when a new head coach takes over, especially a guy with as much power as Ron Rivera has, that he gets his own people in place for scouting the, for, for being the advanced scout, scouting the opponent that you're going to face and looking at pro personnel. I'm sure that Ron Rivera has his own ideas about what he wants in a football player. And I'm sure from his days in Carolina and around the league, he knows people that have a better idea than those he doesn't know about what he's looking for from a player. So that when all these players get cut, 
he is more comfortable with the people picking up players for his team than the guys that were already there. Sure, but don't you think that he would have made that move initially when he came on as their head coach? I mean, you have Santos, who's been there for 14 years, and Mann was there for over a decade. And it just seems kind of curious that if two guys who are that ingrained in your organization and weren't released when you got a new head coach mm-hmm. that all of a sudden right now would be the time that they're let go. Yeah, it, it is interesting. But obviously the big story today and the story that's going to show up on news programs throughout the course of the day is the retiring of this name and this logo, which is iconic as unsavory as it is. It is a logo that participated in the biggest blowout in the history of the game. It was still 73 nothing Redskins. That won't change. It'll just be 73 nothing Washington now. And it was still the three Super Bowls with three different quarterbacks that Joe Gibbs coached. It wasn't uh, the Washington Warriors or the Washington Redtails. It was the Washington Redskins that won with Joe Theismann and Mark Rippon and Doug Williams. So it's a big part of the NFL's history that's going to go by the wayside this morning. I'm very curious to see, and maybe we can listen later today to some Washington sports talk radio to see what the temperature check is like there, because you've brought this point up a lot, but the day is finally here. You know, Dan Snyder said this would never happen, but the day has arrived where the name is going to be retired. But if you live there and you grew up a fan of this franchise and it's connected to your family for generations where your parents went to games and then they pass that on to you. And this is how you have enjoyed football your entire life with this team and this name and this logo. Even if you agree that it should be retired, it's still a part of your sports life that's going away. And if you maintain season tickets and not many people have in Washington, I would guess that you're probably going to be wearing Redskins gear to the game in 2020. When I was a Redskins fan, I had thousands of dollars worth of coats and hats and sweatshirts and shoes. I still have a Redskins hat at home. But as somebody who has endured all this losing as a fan, I wouldn't buy any of the new stuff until the team showed me that they were committed to being competitive again. I'm not going to like them just because... They're the team that happens to play in the stadium that's near my home because it's not just the losing. It's Dan Snyder being the owner and the way they have gone about losing that I would find it really difficult to support. That's when you were saying that the first thing I thought of was, well, if you're going to wait until the team is good for you to invest in this new moniker, you could be waiting a long time. You could. And I think a lot of fans out there without the name connection, and yes, it should be changed, but they were cheering for the laundry. And all of a sudden, if you get new laundry, it feels like you're cheering for Dan Snyder. It doesn't feel like you're cheering for your community or your players, even though eventually it's going to get that way. It's going to take some time for for that new change to settle in, but it's going to take something to bring everyone together for you to feel connected to that that new name and under this ownership group we've seen it's pretty dysfunctional and even with Ron Rivera as the head coach it seems like that dysfunction has continued despite his best efforts and as profitable as it is Mike Golick Jr. suggested on the show that preceded us maybe this is a good time for Dan Snyder to get out NFL franchise values are still extraordinarily high he's got some people in that organization that have a lot of money that could buy him out and he has said before He's been quoted as saying, I will never change the name of the franchise. So perhaps he retires the name 
and somebody else changes the name and provides the new name when a new owner comes in. That would be a sensible move. I don't know if Dan Snyder is that sensible, but it's some interesting speculation by Junior. It is, but as we've seen, Randy, firsthand here, these NFL owners have not only egos this the size of Texas, but a very, very disproportionate sense of their place in the world. Stan Kroenke mm-hmm. still thinks that St. Louis doesn't hate him. It's true. <laughs> and it couldn't be further from the truth. So while Dan Snyder understands that there's some discontent from everything that I've read in the Washington Post, which is as plugged in as anybody when it comes to this franchise, he will open up his Rolodex and call people essentially until he gets an opinion that he likes, yeah. a.k.a. that agrees with him, and then that becomes his advisor. So if your advisor is telling you what you want to hear, you have no idea what the real sentiment is amongst your fan base. So while he thinks, yeah, they're upset, he's having people t- parroting him the information and the opinions that he wants to hear. So I I don't know if he has the sense of self and the sense of you know what's actually happening with his friends franchise to have the foresight to turn it over to somebody else. They spent decades from the 70s until a couple of years ago saying that they had a 100,000 person waiting list for season tickets. And it took three or four years of half empty stadiums before they finally quit saying that they had uh, a waiting list of more than 100,000 people to buy season tickets, even though the stadium was half full and everybody knew that nobody was buying season tickets. Okay, let's move on here because it's not just the Redskins, but the Indians have said they're going to look into their name. And as Adam Schefter has said, and I agree with Shefty, once you say you're looking into changing your name, you're going to change your name. Without a doubt. You don't make that public statement and open up that conversation if you don't foresee down the road that the name is going to right. change. So the, the Indians aren't going to have a press conference that said, you know what, we did a review and it's not that bad. Yeah. So we're going to keep it. Right. And the Braves have been steadfast. They sent a letter to season ticket holders yesterday saying, we are not changing our name. We're going to review the Tomahawk Chop. How are you going to stop 45,000 people from doing the chop? If the Braves are good and they still have the name the Braves, and I know that they have the drum, but... In Kansas City, it doesn't take a drum to start the tomahawk chop, so they can look into it all they want. But the fans aren't going to stop doing it, are they? No, they're they. This conversation has been active for a long time about the chop. I mean, we saw it when the Braves played the Cardinals, mm-hmm. and it, you're right, fans are going to continue to do it. And how are you going to monitor that? Are you going to say, hey, if you do it, we're going to kick you out of the stadium? Of course, they're not. Those are no. paying customers, and and that's everybody, and that's everybody. <laughs> and sports is going to need that now more than ever to have people back in the seats when they're back in the seats as spending money. So there's really no way to monitor that. And for the organizations and the franchises that are saying, hey, our name honors the Native American community, but we're going to look into these aspects of our franchise and our traditions that might not be as respectful or might be upsetting to some people. Don't you think that that will just persist and that eventually the conversation and the debate around changing the name will continue on no matter how hard they say we're not going to change it? It will. And Native American groups believe that the Redskins were the big domino and that others will fall because the Redskins do. We mentioned the Braves telling their season ticket holders we aren't changing. The Indians saying we'll look into it. The Blackhawks saying we aren't changing. And we haven't heard anything yet from the Kansas City Chiefs. Which is curious. Yeah. I wonder if we will and if pressure will be applied by Native American groups to the Chiefs. And here's how dramatically this has changed. Well, it's been a while. Back in the, before the Rams were here, so this was like 1992, I went to a Redskins game at Arrowhead. And there was talk of the largest 
Native American demonstration ever at an athletic event. So I walked around the stadium, and then I walked around the stadium again to look for them. And there were like eight people that were under a tent that were holding up signs. And now it has turned into a massive movement. So it's not just the evolution of people doing the right thing, but it's the number of people of every race, color, creed that are behind the Native Americans and saying, this isn't right. And ultimately, when it got to money, that's when Dan Snyder started to think about it. When it got to Pepsi, Nike, and uh, FedEx, that's the first time he started thinking, oh, maybe this isn't a good thing. I don't even know if he started thinking about it then until somebody <laughs> said, hey, you're going to have to do this whether you like it or not. Yeah, because otherwise you're not getting our money. Exactly. This, this, once the choice was removed from his hands, that's when you saw action being taken place. Okay, you are uh, an Illinois fan. You're an Illinois alum, and mm-hmm. you've had your mascot taken away, but not the, the Fighting Illini, which is a product of the state. But when you look at, the, especially the pro teams that are remaining, Chiefs, Blackhawks, Braves, Indians. Do you believe they should change their names? I think that if they don't, it's just going to be a controversy that swirls around you for a long time. And why would you want to do that? Doesn't it seem like right now when you're seeing this groundswell of of other teams changing their names and you know deep inside that it's probably something you should do too. Why not now? Why just have everybody rip the Band-Aid off right now and say, hey, if our name is offensive to a group of people, that is not what we want to do. And we're just going to go ahead and we're going to make this move right now. And you can also kind of do it under cover of the Redskins move by saying, you know what, we looked at Washington and they were right and we were wrong. So we are going to do it because it's the right thing. Because like you said, if the Braves maintain the Braves name, if the Chiefs maintain the Chiefs name, if the Blackhawks maintain the the, the, the Blackhawks name, all those franchises are going to continue to be pressured. And like you said, why not just rip the Band-Aid off, get it over with now and move on and say, yeah, we're it's a new time and we are enlightened. And one thing I did learn from being an alum at the University of Illinois is I think their their one fatal mistake in that entire process was when they removed the Chiefs, they should have had a new mascot ready to go. Yeah. It should have been, this is the Chiefs' last dance. The very next day is mascot X. This is what we're doing. And this is why I find it to be so suspect that the Redskins are going to have this press conference. They're going to retire the name Redskins, and they're going to say, hey, we're going to be the Washington football team for a few weeks until we have our new you know, moniker until we have our new team name. And I know that there's probably some sort of legalese where they're getting uh, trademarks and things of that nature, but it's already a foregone conclusion that you're going to change the name. So why do you make it a joyous celebration for the new name? Mm -hmm. Why does it need to be this retirement of the old name? If I was in charge there or in charge of any of these teams that's doing, looking at a team like Illinois, that's just kind of been left without a name and therefore letting the debate rage on for 10 plus years because until you say hey this is our new name we we identify with it this is our team that we're getting behind you're going to have that group of people that is resistant to it they should have said hey this is the new name we're doing like what the patriots did with aaron hernandez jerseys and we're gonna let you trade in one of your pieces of redskins apparel for the new washington football team's apparel Be smart you know make, make it a positive for your fan base And to add to that, I know in going through the process of trying to get an expansion team here, NFL Properties, which is the merchandising arm of the NFL, they have a group of names on file. So 
when we were going to get the St. Louis Stallions, Jerry Clinton and his group had like a half a dozen names to choose from, and they, they liked Stallions. Same thing with uh, Wayne Weaver down in Jacksonville, and they chose the Jaguars, but there were like a half dozen names and logos and colors, color schemes that they could choose from. Same thing uh, with the Panthers, and Baltimore was going to be the Bombers. And now here in 2020, I have to believe that not only do they have the names, but I would hope that the NFL had a focus group that looked at those names for them and said, what do you think? Is there anything that we could do better? Is there anything wrong? Is there anything offensive about this? So it should be really, really easy for NFL properties to come to Dan Snyder or whomever and say, okay, here's a list of names. Do you like these? And know exactly what the public reaction to those names is going to be. Oh, so you think that they've done that, Randy? They should have been working ahead. (laughs) I'm not sure that they, they aren't really big on focus groups and making sure that the public cares. Or doing the right thing. No, that's true. (laughs) (laughs) We want to boil it down. Or being uh, proactive in responding to negative aspects of their league. Yeah. It's probably going to hurt them. That is Michelle. I'm Randy, and this is 101 ESPN. Next up, are we going to have college football this year? Man, I hope so, but it's not looking good. That's next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. Late last week, we learned that the Big Ten is going to a conference-only schedule for the 2020 college football season. And over the weekend, the Pac-12 announced that they are moving to an only conference schedule as well. We still haven't heard from the ACC, although they're limiting. Uh, We don't have official word from the ACC. And as far as the SEC is concerned, they're planning on going right now. Yesterday, Greg Sankey, the commissioner of the SEC, was on ESPN Radio and was asked about what he's thinking about football in the fall of 2020. High to very high. I look at the numbers every day, and the important issue is not just numbers or looking at numbers. It is trying to understand and comprehend, and that's where literally you want experts you know, moving you away from the scroll or the titles at the bottom of the TV screen or the interviews of this expert or that and find people out of the public domain who are, are, are highly intelligent, highly educated, highly skilled at, at helping guide information. And we put a medical advisory group together in early April with the question of what do we have to do to get back to activity? And they've been a big part of the conversation. But the direct reality is not good. And the notion that we've politicized medical guidance of distancing and, and breathing masks and, and, and hand sanitization, you know, ventilation and being outside, being careful where you are in buildings. I mean, there's some very clear advice about uh, you can't mitigate and eliminate every risk, but how do you minimize the risk, and we are, we are running out of time uh, to to correct and get things right. So confidence is high, but we are running out of time to mitigate and get things right. So it seemed like you changed during the course of the answer, actually, mm-hmm. from being really confident to pointing out that there are a lot of issues, a lot of hurdles that they have to jump over to get to a season, even if they're going to play like the Big Ten and the Pac-12 uh, conference-only season. 
And it's very difficult to predict how you should approach this when we're still learning new things about this virus and the way that it's moving through this country every day. So if you're a college athletics program and you don't know, I mean, basic things, what are we going to have students on campus? How are we going to test our, our players? How are we going to monitor where they're going to be? How are we going to contain this even within our own team, let alone focus on the travel aspect of all of this? If you can't plan for that, I don't know how you can realistically say, yeah, I think even with a conference-only schedule, we're going to have college football in the fall. And one of the things that Sankey said is that they are going to be cautious and that this month, the last couple of weeks of July, are going to have a big say in what happens. I actually spent time last week going through the month of July and then extended into Labor Day weekend all that's happening both within the SEC, uh, but you know, nationally with sports. And there is a lot of activity happening in the month of July, certainly compared to what's happened in March, April, and May. Yeah. Uh, in June to this point. So you want to see that. Um, that's one. Two, I have a stack of you know, return to activity, return to play, return to practice protocols from every different league imaginable on my desk that I've read through. And it's not the most exciting reading, but <laughs> it is informative. And both of those are indications of paying attention. And then uh, the opportunity to talk to people in the NBA and the NHL and Major League Baseball and in NASCAR. Um, so I've had those those four um, competitive endeavors. Some of my staff talked to PGA Tour staff just to learn uh, what they're learning. And that's why I've always looked out and said uh, what I was told by a biostatistician at the University of South Carolina, uh, a faculty member, biostatistician, she said to me in early April, Take as long as you need to make major decisions or as long as you can, because every day you're going to have more and more information. And that literally is playing out in front of us every day. And that's why I don't feel any pressure, per se, because of somebody else's decisions. We're trying to make the right decisions for, for us, for the Southeastern Conference. We want to do it with the best information. Um, it does have an impact because I've said publicly we're all linked um, nationally, so when other people make decisions, yep, there's there's an impact. But also, we're gonna gonna look at our situation and make a decision that's appropriate for the Southeastern Conference, and most importantly, for the health of our student athlete. And that's the most important thing. The last thing that he said, they have to make decisions that are in the best interests and the health interests of their student athletes. They're well in the SEC, they're athletes. Yeah, of course, <laughs> they're students. They go to the school. Yeah. <laughs> They're on campus. They are on campus. I'm sure they get books, Randy. Play, Probably they're playbooks. Free, yeah. <laughs> this is going to be a very difficult decision for collegiate athletics and for these commissioners because they know that there's a lot of money on the line here and a lot of people's jobs and their livelihoods. And these these student athletes have been working really hard towards this season. And for a lot of them, this is their opportunity to set themselves up for a future in professional football or however you want to spin it. But if he truly means what he says, the very last thing that the first and foremost thing that they're looking at is the health and safety of their student athletes. 
I don't know how you can realistically say that this is a good idea and that they're going to be able to figure out a way to get this done, whether it's in the fall or the spring. I mean, if we even rewind back to April, Randy, what were, what were the conversations we were having around this virus? Just wait until the summertime. The heat kills the virus and we're flattening the curve now. By summertime, we will have flattened the curve and people will have adapted their lives to how the things that we need to do to curb this, whether it's a mask or socially distancing, et cetera. And what are we seeing. I'm opening up the newspaper yesterday to see uh, the highest recorded number of cases in in Florida. They beat their daily record over 15,000 new cases because they're testing more people. If anything, we're seeing the complete opposite. We're seeing more apathy and more of the the things that health officials are telling us be politicized and we're seeing fatigue where people are just like, I'm over this. I I don't want to do this anymore. And if we realistically think that it's going to be better by the fall and or the spring, based on the trends that we're seeing across this country, I beg to differ. I don't think all of a sudden people are just going to wake up and change their minds and change their behaviors. And Greg Sankey talked about how we're all learning something new every day. And it was just last week that a study in London described that the virus could cause neurological complications, including stroke and nerve damage and potentially fatal brain inflammation. And it was a a study of 43 patients aged 16 to 85. And we get this belief that, oh, well, they're 18 to 22-year-old guys in great shape so that coronavirus won't be a major effect on them. It's something we just don't know yet. And that's another thing that Greg Sankey has to look at is, could I be exposing our athletes to not only something that is troublesome for them in the short term, but could it, could we be causing, if they do get the virus, long-term damage to a person who's playing football here? Beyond just the concussions that they get from playing football, brain damage because of the possibility of them contracting this. I think it's a real slippery slope for football to play. I think so, too. And I I hate to say it because I love college football. I want nothing more than to see college football go off in the fall. But it's just going to be a very, very, very tough thing to get done. Baseball's on their way back. They're 11 days away. The Blues are closing in. As a matter of fact, the first day of Blues training camp is today. Much on that over the course of the next couple of hours. But next up, take it or leave it. Get your text into the Air Comfort Service text line 65780. Tioli, coming your way with Michelle and Randy on 101 ESPN. Take it or leave it. Give us your feedback now by texting 65780. It's Take It or Leave It with Carriker and Smallman on 101 ESPN. It's time for Take It or Leave It on 101 ESPN. Thanks for your text to the Air Comfort Service text line 65780. Keep them coming at 65780. And with your Take It or Leave It's for Michelle and I, here is Tanner. What do you got, sir? Take It or Leave It. Rajon Rondo broke his thumb last night in practice. This will affect the Lakers' chance at a title. I am going to leave it. I, I don't think that Rondo is that much of a difference maker. I think if they have LeBron and AD, that they'll be fine. Yeah. Um, I'm going to take it just because I think it will affect them from some standpoint, but not dramatically. Again, as long as you have AD and LeBron, I think you're contending. Rajon, uh, he was into social distancing before it was a thing. Remember him sitting way off to the side? He started this trend. (laughs) He sure did. (laughs) 
yesterday, Tim Anderson had an epic bat flip after hitting a home run in an inter-squad game for the Chicago White Sox. Take it or leave it. We will see a pitcher plunk one of his teammates on purpose after a bat flip in an inter-squad game. I'll totally take that. Really? Yeah, no doubt about it. Yeah, some pitcher's going to get ticked off. Somebody's going to have that Brad Thompson-type rage <laughs> and plunk a teammate. There's no doubt. See, I'm going to leave it. Just because I would like to think that they would say, hey, this is my guy. We're on the same squad here. I'm not going to hit him because, hey, we need everybody intact so that we can play. Just hit him in the thigh or something. Still. It's going to be fun. Who on the Cardinals do you think would be most likely to plunk one of their own teammates? Flaherty. Yeah, that's what I was thinking, too. Maybe Wayno in a good-natured way. Yeah, but don't show him up. Yeah. And don't, uh, don't bat flip on him. We've been talking about college football. We just got done talking about that and what its future may hold. Uh, Big Ten's moving to the all-conference schedule. Take it or leave it. Illinois would benefit, whether it be recruiting or in games played, by an all-conference schedule. Illinois would benefit? Um, I'm going to leave that. I am too. Um, They were supposed to play Illinois State, Bowling Green, and UConn as their first three games, I believe. So you're looking at 3-0, and then I believe their first game was Rutgers. Let's just go ahead and say Illinois starting 4-0. Then you start to play the big boys in the Big Ten, and even though Illinois was trending up, those are the games that are going to be difficult for you. So, yeah, removing four early wins from your schedule to uh, not only cushion what you're going to do for the rest of the season, but, yeah, from a recruiting standpoint, if you start 4-0, at least that's a good thing to spin. Yeah, I would definitely say no. This is not positive for my fighting Illini. Yeah, six wins last year, and two of those were against Akron and UConn in the first two games. How did you guys lose to Eastern Michigan? Randy, it's Illinois. Oh, okay. Yeah, I guess we got to throw that in there. <laughs> it's Illinois. Of course they find a way to lose to Eastern yeah. Michigan. But I do like the way the program is trending for Lovie Smith. This is a, it just seems like there's... I mean, listen, everyone's dealing with this right now. It's not just Illinois, but... From, an, from a Fighting Illini fan standpoint, we've waited a, what, a decade for a basketball team like the one we had last basketball season, and then the tournament gets canceled. We've been waiting for a long time for the Illinois football program to turn the corner, and it seems like Lovey Smith has built upon something, and this was going to be the season to really see what, what he had for this. It's just, of course this would happen. And then you're a Blues fan, too. Holy cow. Yeah, but... At least they won. But look how long it took, though. That's what you're dealing with now. It is. But with the Blues, at least, Randy, we could look back, and even if it was true or not, we could say, cursed. Uh Uh-huh, right. You know, this is out of my control, cursed. What's the excuse for Illinois? It is the biggest mystery of my life, Randy, why the University of Illinois is not a powerhouse in at least college basketball. If If you could retain even a fraction of the talent coming out of Chicago, you would be a dominant national program. Dominant. I would say that it is a a huge mystery. It's not the biggest mystery of my life. What's the biggest mystery of your life? Why we call driveways and we park on them and parkways when we drive on them. Wow. Yeah, why is that? I don't know. It's the big mystery of my life. And, you know, the fact that people named it driveway and parkway and then people just said, yep. Yeah, no, they went along with it. Yeah, yeah, this is a good idea. Okay, sure. Great. <laughs> but then number two, why Illinois yeah, athletics is not, it's not dominant. Okay, great. I'm glad we're on the same page. From the 618, if the SEC moves to a all-conference schedule, and let's say they play 10 games, take it or leave it, Missouri will win five. Ooh, I'm going to leave that. They don't have a quarterback. They have a first-year coach who didn't have a chance to do spring practice. 
And if you have to play 10 games in the SEC, yeah. ouch. So, no, I, I didn't have those sorts of expectations of Drinkwitz even under normal circumstances. So with the circumstances where they are now, I would not put that on he in the program. Same for all, all the same reasons. And it's it's a very difficult circumstance for a new head coach. But I'm going to spin this to you. Take it or leave it. It might be a blessing in disguise because the expectations are removed for him so he can have a season to kind of get his feet wet, totally. acclimate himself to to his team, have them get acclimated to him without those expectations in place. Because he is such a good guy and he had such success in just one year as a head coach at App State, even though he took over a really good program, there were going to be high expectations for the Mizzou program coming into the season, maybe unrealistically high. And now I think because he hasn't had a chance to prepare, maybe those will be quashed a little bit. Mm-hmm. So broke last night, the UEFA Champions League ban on Man City. It was a two-year ban, not letting them compete was lifted. Take it or leave it. We will ever see, we will never see a power four sport in the U.S. ban a team for a year because of cheating. Totally take that. It'll never happen. Never. Take it. Yeah. They can't afford to. Right. Because you need people to play. You need teams to play against. They they have the relegation in London and in Europe so that they can afford to bring a team up if they do ban a team for a year. We don't have that luxury here. You can't bring Alabama up to play in the NFL. I would love if you could relegate teams in the NFL. Imagine how fun it would have been if the Rams got relegated. And yeah. It should have been many times. Then we would have had a chance to win some games. Exactly. <laughs> Uh, yesterday, I watched the newest Tom Hanks movie, Greyhound, on Apple+. Plus. Take it or leave it, Saving Private Ryan is the best war movie of all time. Oh, man. I know a lot of people are going to agree with that. But I'm going to... I'm more with uh, more entertaining rather than gruesome war movies. So, like... Uh, Kelly's Heroes and stuff like that with Donald Sutherland and Don DeLuise and some of those guys. Yeah, I, I'm going to leave that. I can't go with uh, that being the greatest war movie of all time. I recently watched Saving Private Ryan for mm-hmm. the first time, and it was outstanding. So I'm going to take it. Wow. Also going to take it because I haven't really seen many other war movies. Okay, fair Full enough. Full transparency. And I thought for Saving Private Ryan, I mean, look at the cast alone. Dynamite cast in Saving Private Ryan. Mm-hmm. Cinematography, amazing. Now, were the battle scenes a little too long for my liking? Yes. Did it underscore, uh, even on a small scale, probably what those men endured? Yes. So um, I'm going to take it. I thought it was a great, great movie. 1941 with John Belushi. Tropic Thunder a few years ago. Very funny. <laughs> so I'm going to go with uh, Good Morning Vietnam. Never seen it. It was really good. Robin Williams was exceptionally funny. So I'm going to go with uh, the the more lighthearted war movies rather than the heavy ones. From the 636, with everything that has happened legally and financially with Stan Kroenke and his stadium since he knifed St. Louis, SoFi Stadium is cursed. I'm going to take it. I'm going to take it, This too. is called karma. People don't believe in karma, but I I'm do. telling you, whatever what you put out, you receive. And he put out... Greed, corruption, bad energy. So, of course, the house that he built, that he financed, is going to be surrounded with bad energy. I said back in 2016 that my hope was that in July of 2020 that Kevin Demoff would be giving him the tour of the 100% completed stadium 
when the big one would hit just in Inglewood, just right where the stadium is. Maybe the, the San Andreas Fault is right underneath it or something. And I still have uh, well, eight days. Eight days. I'm hoping. No, more than that. Uh, 18 days. So hopefully that tour takes place and my hopes happen. We'll see. See, I would prefer they open it, it's the shiny new toy, and no one cares. And no one goes. I think that's already the case. It is, but to me, the long play, just the slow, continuous drain on his bank account. That'd be fun. Is what I want. I want him to have moved all these chess pieces and made this big deal about building this temple to himself out in California and have people laugh at him. That would be so much fun. Right? Thank you, Tanner. Thank you. Tanner Hendrickson with Take It or Leave It on 101 ESPN. The Cardinals had an inter-squad game yesterday and have another one tomorrow. What do the players think about these inter-squad games? That's coming up next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. A fresh perspective on the day's biggest stories. It's Carriker and Smallman's Fresh Take. Powered by Schnucks. Eat good to feel great at Schnucks on 101 ESPN. The Blues will start their official training camp today. They'll have workouts at 10 and 11, groups 1 and 2 over at Centene. Not open to the public, obviously, but they'll be on their way towards headed towards Edmonton and games on August 2nd, 4th, and 6th, I believe. I'd have to double-check that, but I know their first game is on August 2nd against Colorado as they play that round robin and get ready for the NHL's tournament that'll lead them into the Stanley Cup playoffs that'll all take place in Edmonton and Toronto. Meanwhile, as the Blues start camp, the Cardinals continue camp a day off today after an intra-squad game yesterday that wasn't exactly what Mike Schilt wanted. It's one of those deals when you inter-squad, you're happy about certain things and you always have a chance to not be as pleased with other things. But, you know, the happy part was, you know, the part that I felt good about was Miles. You know, Miles is really sharp and was able to get a lot of soft contact and I think what you're alluding to is, you know, wasn't as clean, clean as we would uh, would like on defense, but we play good defense. That's going to happen occasionally. So don't want to, you know, overreact to that. You're going to have a couple of plays that don't get made occasionally. Sometimes you got to prove the game's hard. Well, I was pleased about Miles. He made made a lot of quality pitches and and uh, did what he had to do to to limit damage. Yeah, if you're going to play a sloppy game, have it be an inter-squad game that nobody sees on July 12th. Yeah, you're going to have to refine your skills and get back into the groove of things, but take it or leave it. They could have five sloppy defensive inter-squad games, and you're not concerned about the Cardinals' defense. I will take that. The defense will will be good. The defense will be good. And I would have to believe that after Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, doing the workouts, having the inter-squad games in the St. Louis heat in the dead of summer, there were probably some players that were pretty sapped and need the day off today. For sure, without a doubt. Is there is there anything that could make you be very concerned after these inter-squad games heading into the actual season? Like, what are some things that if you saw starting tomorrow, we're going to see the live streaming, what are some things that you could see that would give you major cause for concern? Because sloppy defense is not going to be one of them for me. I say this with all due respect. (laughs) There's a very good chance that Brett Cecil could start the season in the Cardinal bullpen. 
and that's going to give you big cause for concern. Well, the bullpen is going to be diminished because three of the people that the Cardinals were counting on Mm -hmm. as they started camp, Hennessy's Cabrera, Alex Reyes, and Giovanni Gallegos, for various reasons, aren't in camp. Gallegos is stuck in Mexico, hasn't been able to make it here, and the other two are dealing with either quarantine or positive tests for the coronavirus. And that runway is running out. And Mike Schultz said yesterday, and we had uh, some audio quality on the Zoom call, so you have to listen carefully. But Schultz said that that runway is now a concern for those three pitchers. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be a challenge, clearly. I mean, every day that goes by, they're not here is, a, is, um, is more, of a, more of a challenge. Um, you know, it'll, the biggest two factors will be, A, when they get here, and that, that alone might dictate their ability to start the season with us. If they do get here, was still an, uh, an opportunity to work into that, and the B will be clearly how they how they look and and, and how they can get ready without being us uh, feel like we're rushing them. So you're going to start the season, Michelle, with an eleven ge- eleven man bullpen, and three of the guys that you planned on being pretty big parts. I mean, mm-hmm. Gallegos had a chance to be your closer. Right. Reyes had a chance to be a seventh or eighth inning guy, and Cabrera, at the very worst, was going to be. One of those piggyback multi-inning guys after the three or four inning performance by a starter. Those are three pretty big arms for the Cardinals not to have at the beginning. And to not necessarily know when they're going to be ready to go. Yeah, heading into this this situation, we were talking about the strength that was the Cardinals bullpen. But you remove those three guys from the equation and all of a sudden you have some questions you have to deal with. And now the Cardinals giving opportunities. Zach Thompson pitched well yesterday. Jake Woodford mm-hmm. pitched yesterday. Some people that we might not have expected to be on the Cardinals' opening 30-man roster have a really good chance to make it now. Some people have an opportunity to take advantage of those three absences and make the team. What do you think this does for the question about Carlos Martinez and his role? I think this totally puts him in the bullpen. Don't you? Unfortunately, I do, even though he looks sharp and even though we a lot of people want to see him be a starter, including himself, as mm-hmm. he said repeatedly, but... He's a guy that you know can get the job done. And with those three guys missing from the equation, and you know that every game matters, and you're going to need a closer to get the job done. You know, I know he talked last week about this and said, hey, whatever Schill and the team needs me to do, I'm going to do this. This might be that time where he's going to have to, unfortunately, put aside what he wanted and what he worked towards to do something beneficial for the team. Now, the Cardinals really like Ryan Helsley down there. We've talked to Dan about Helsley and his ability And another guy that you might give a chance to if you're dead set, and we've talked about the fragile nature of the approach that Carlos Martinez has taken. If you're concerned that you might lose him emotionally, maybe you talk to KK about going down there and closing. Mm -hmm. He's got really good stuff. He's a guy that nobody has ever seen before. And if he has that ability to bounce back on a daily basis, then maybe that's a guy you look at down there. Yes, I could I could see that argument being made, but if you're the Cardinals, even though he's got good stuff and you might you might be confident in him doing that job, you've seen Carlos Martinez do it. You've seen him do right. it. That's the thing. We know that Martinez can get the 27th out. So it's going to be a big dilemma, and hopefully Gallegos will get in tomorrow and he'll have the rest of the, the camp to get ready to, to go only one inning. So maybe he'll be fine. Maybe Reyes will show up and he'll be fine. I hope so. The the Yes, you want all three of those names there, but 
I was so looking forward to Alex Reyes returning this season healthy and finally getting this opportunity. Of all those names, I'm just, I'm hoping that we see him sooner rather than later. Man. You know, just, I've been hoping that for three years. I, so have I. So have I, Randy. And I just, when we were at w- the winter warm-up, listening to him talk about being healthy for the first time in three years, having the first normal, air quotes, off-season. Think about this. His first normal off-season, there's a pandemic. Mm-hmm. And his first normal off-season in three years. And then he's delayed in returning to summer camp. There is no normal for him. There is no normal for Alex Reyes. And I just, I think about any time that people have seen him healthy and in action, how in awe of his skill set they are. And I think about what a weapon he could be for this Cardinals team. And an unexpected one at that. Because you talk about guys not having seen KK. People haven't seen Alex Reyes. He could also be a surprise element for this team. I hope Reyes and Cabrera are uh, out in the backyard playing catch. I hope they're getting together and quarantining together and playing catch and keeping their arms strong. That'd be nice. That's today's fresh take here on 101 ESPN. Michelle and Randy coming up. We're going to head into the Blues booth with Chris Kerber on this first day of Blues training camp for 2020. They haven't, last time they had training camp was 2019. So first day of training camp 2020 with Chris Kerber next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Carriker and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. This is Carriker and Smallman. We're talking everything St. Louis Blues as we head into the Blues booth. The Blues booth is brought to you by Boardwalk Hardwood Floors. When it's time for new flooring in your home, real wood provides the best long-term value. Boardwalk has great floors for every home. Visit our three area showrooms and online at BoardwalkHardwood.com. We're going to head into the Blues booth and visit with Chris Kerber momentarily. The Washington Redskins, Michelle, have issued a release saying that they are retiring the team's name. And uh, they say it twice. uh, And we want to make this a point. They say this process of retiring the Redskins name allows the team to take into account not only the proud tradition and history of the franchise, but also input from our alumni, the organization, sponsors, the National Football League, and the local community. And uh, they make it a point on two different occasions to list their sponsors first. They say that uh, today... Uh, Well, I'll just read the official release. On July 3rd, we announced the commencement of a thorough review of the team's name. That review has begun in earnest. As part of this process, we want to keep our sponsors, fans, and community apprised of our thinking as we go forward. Today, we are announcing we will be retiring the Redskins' name and logo upon completion of this review. Dan Snyder and Coach Revere are working closely to develop a new name and design approach that will enhance the standing of our proud tradition-rich franchise and inspire our sponsors, fans, and community for the next 100 years. You know, part of me appreciates that they're not even trying to hide their true motivations behind this. If you're going to list sponsors before fans and community, I mean, at least you're showing me exactly who you are. Yeah, right. Kind of appreciate that. Let's get to the Brown Crouppen Celebrity Line and Chris Kerber, the voice of the blues here on 101 ESPN, joins us on this first day of training camp 2020. Curbs, good morning. How are you doing? Randy, I'm doing good. How are you today? Everything's great. Glad to have hockey back. And I, I guess the first question is, how is this going to be different, do you think, the first day of camp 2020 to camp 2019? 
you know what? I uh, In talking to Craig Berube, I think one of the things he said that they're going to do is uh, they're going to get pretty quickly into some battle drills. They're, they're going to try and kind of get battle-tested and battle-ready. So I, I think they're going to ease in, check fitness levels, and just make sure everybody is where they need to be. But I think even after the last two weeks of most of the guys skating, they they're, they pretty much know where they're at on that front. Um, so one of the things he said is uh, that, that the battle aspect is, and, and gearing up the mental toughness part is going to be the real key, I think, to this uh, shortened camp that they'll have right now. Curbs, in addition to that, is there anything else you think this team is going to try to establish during this training camp? What should fans be kind of keeping an eye out for? You know, I keep I keep looking. Well, I guess the, the one thing you keep an eye out for is do they make it through it? I mean, that's 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 the blunt reality. I look. I, I think everybody knows what the, how the Blues are made. I think they know how they're built. Um, you know, I, I do think you do have a couple of tactical questions to probably answer. You know, like is uh, you know how does Scandella play in that top pair setting with Colt Pareko kind of thing? Um, you know, but so so there there are some good answers that, that need to be made that are worth following. But having said that, you know, I, I think the real key here is just honestly, do you stay healthy? Nobody pulls groins or hip flexors. And and do you stay healthy from a COVID standpoint and get everybody into the bubble? And and if, if we get 12 days into this and get everybody into the bubble, I think this part of camp is a success. Curbs, as we move towards August 2nd in the opener against Colorado, the opener of the round robin tournament, uh, is that going to be kind of like a preseason or obviously you, you want to win those games to get the number one seed, but how do the blues approach those games? I think they're going to approach them like a preseason from that standpoint, Randy. I, I think, uh, I, I honestly, I don't think they're overly worried about the seeding aspect of it. Um, in, in the conversations and interviews I've done with both Craig Berube and, and Doug Armstrong, now, don't get me wrong. Uh, Craig Berube believes in you go to win every single time you're out there, whether it's practice or what. So, yeah, winning is important, but I don't think they're going to kill themselves to worry about a one or two seed. You know, and, and I think that there's reason for that. Look, home ice matters. Having your crowd behind you, the momentum swings, things like that matter a great deal, right? But in this bubble situation, the only difference that that home ice is going to mean is it, do you have the last change? And if you look at how good the St. Louis Blues really are with their centermen of, of Ryan O'Reilly and, and Robert Thomas and, and Tyler Bozak and, and Braden Shen, like they don't overly worry about face-off matchups from that standpoint because because they think they could win every one of them. So in terms of how they intend to handle this part of things, they're going to work guys in. I mean, even down to Billy Huso. Billy Huso is going to have to play some in goal here because one goalie injury and he's automatically your backup, and I'm not sure that you want to have a guy that hasn't played hockey in six months right. or five months, whenever it may happen there. So they will work their taxi squad in during these games based on what I've been told. Curves, I think you hit on the main thread that we're going to be talking about every day, and that's the virus. Is everyone healthy? Have they made it to the next day, et cetera? But then when I think about the bigger picture about the bubble situation, you have all of these teams who are, who are completely rested, and they're starting at ground zero. So you think that some of the things that are going to weigh more heavily, some of these factors, are obviously talent and also coaching and identity. And when I look at the St. Louis Blues team, I think if you've got that group of talent completely rested and healthy and you have an amazing coaching staff and an amazing culture in place, it seems like comparatively with other teams, they're in a really great spot. Yeah, you know, it really, I mean, if you try to handicap this uh, this tournament, uh, you're going to be in some, in, it's going to be hard. And it's going to be hard because, as you mentioned, everybody is just healthy and ready to go. Having said that, 
you know, I still think you've got to look at Boston, Tampa, and Washington in the East, St. Louis, Vegas, and and I'd say Colorado in the West as as your favorites. Now, having said that, look, the Dallas Stars were inches away from eliminating the Blues in Game 7 last year, mm-hmm. you know, and, and Rick Bonus had them playing really well. And they, they, down the stretch, they weren't very healthy defensively, and now they're healthy again defensively. So the Dallas Stars could could really pose a problem. And then, and I know, look, this is the part where those bottom four teams in the, in each conference, uh, in terms of, you know, five through eight, think that maybe this was a little unfair with the play in rounds. Right. But Patrick Kane and Corey Crawford could come in. And if Patrick Kane starts off well and Crawford starts hot, Edmonton can get eliminated pretty easily. Right. And now that 12th seed is all of a sudden in the playoffs. And if you're the top seed in the West, you're the St. Louis blues. You end up with that top seed. You're playing the Blackhawks in round one. You know, like, I mean, and, and I, I don't think it would surprise anybody for the Montreal Canadiens to knock off the Pittsburgh Penguins. I don't think it would surprise anybody for Tampa, or I'm from, sorry, for uh, Columbus, who was just decimated all season long with injuries and still found a way to be the eighth seed for Columbus to go on a run. They, honestly, you look at all these teams in there and you're going, okay, in a playoff series, you know, depending on how injuries shake out. I mean, look, what happens if, if you're the St. Louis Blues and two or three of your key guys end up somehow contracting COVID right as the playoffs hit, and for the next two weeks they're out. All of a sudden, if you're playing a team that was a lower seed like Chicago, that series looks very different, doesn't it? So um, it, it, I'm, I'm fascinated by this. And, and one other thing, I said, look, if you look at the schedule that the league put out, and this is awesome. I mean, you want to talk about if you like the NCAA tournament, hockey's basically going to be that for almost a month. I mean, five, six games a day. Now, not just on Thursday through Sunday, every day. Yeah, so, uh, wave, wave the goodbye to the wife and kids, and uh, <laughs> say, uh, I'll be downstairs. Just uh, send it down on an easy tray and with the dog, and we'll be fine. Yeah, we were going to ask you that. Are you going to be able? You're doing the games from home. Yeah, we we are not traveling uh, there, so we will. Uh, well, doing them from home, no, probably a studio or downtown. Okay. Uh, we, we we haven't worked that out yet because we're waiting for the league to determine exactly how they're going to send the signals to us. Um, but once, once that is completely done, we'll, we'll get that figured out. But, um, yeah, it's not ideal as we all know, but, but if you think about it, it does make sense. You know, we're up in Edmonton in the bubble and just because of a room service or whatever, you know, one of us ends up contracting COVID, then you're stuck in your hotel room for 14 days possibly. And, and who knows, you know, that then who's doing the game, uh, and, and as much as you say, okay, look, if you can keep 50 people safe, you can keep 52 people safe per team. Well, that's true. But let's face it, every single person you add to the mix adds one other person you're trying to keep safe. And if you can limit it as much as possible, you might as well do so. Uh, I suggested this for the Cardinals. I think it would be cool to do games from Ballpark Village. Just have the, the crowd in there with social distancing and be sitting back in that VIP section, set up a broadcast, and do it off that giant screen at Ballpark Village where you have a crowd, too. Randy, uh, we have had, we have are talking about that now. One of the options on the table for us is: do we do it someplace? Do it at a bar? Do it where there's some social distance crowds in the background? And I'd absolutely love to do it that way. So um, that that plan has already been discussed on our end as well, and we're just waiting to figure out. Like, what you don't want to do is do it in some place and realize that an internet um, or the feed is compromised for some reason, and right. all of a sudden you lose it. So. Um, we're, we're working through those, but if, if we're able to pull that off, if not in the early going at some point during these playoffs, man, we, we will be doing it. 
That's, that's high on my priority list, actually. Hey, Curbs, one more thing. I want to swing back to Dallas because my concern about the Stars was over the course of a six-month season and then the grind of the Stanley Cup playoffs, combining those guys like Pavelski and Polak when he was around and Jamie Benn, I, I thought the age of the Stars would catch up to them. Now with a four-month break and just having to play playoff games, I think they're infinitely more dangerous than they would have been had the playoffs started in April. Absolutely. If they get uh, if they get the goaltending, absolutely they were. I mean, that is a... Jim Neal has built a good team, and their depth is, is young on defense and still growing. I mean, it's it's why this division just remains just absolutely nasty and one of the toughest in all of sports. So the the Dallas Stars could be there. Look, if you're a Vegas type, you can find some pretty good value on some of these teams right now, and I don't know that it's a, it, it's, it's not a huge gamble. I, I mean, I'm telling you, so many of these series are, are pick-ems, and, and it's because of that exact reason. The veteran players are rested. And other guys are healthy, and that's going to make them really, really tough. Now, they won't get – Roma Pollock said he's not coming back over. Right. Um, and I think he's done in the NHL. I think he's going to play in his home country now. So, you know, there's there's a veteran, you know, D-man of, of 15 minutes a game that they'll have to replace. But um, but but if, if they replace him, fine. They'll have some depth to do it, and it is going to be – I mean, this is going to be fun. I don't know how else to look at it other than it's going to be fun if we can pull this off. No doubt. Can't wait to get it back. Curbs, always good to talk to you. Thank you, sir. And we'll talk to you soon. You got it. Hey, real quick, Randy, I I, I saved a magazine for you last night. Um, I was throwing some stuff out. I actually had a Sports Illustrator from 2001, and uh, um, and the, the the corner part, you were talking as, we, as, as uh, you brought me on about the Washington Redskins right. situation, right? Yeah. The corner part back in 2001 you know the, the the tease that they put on the little leaflet there is is uh, they're teasing an article of should should sports teams with Native American names uh, be changing their nicknames, and that was all the way back in two thousand one. Wow. So, yeah, I, I saved that. I thought, oh man, I got to bring this in for you because I, I mean it's a it's actually a pretty good read now, almost twenty years later, and you realize how little things had changed, and yet the issues remain the same. Yeah, I look forward to seeing it. Thank you. Okay, guys, have a great week. You too. We'll see you later. That is Chris Kerber, the voice of the Blues, on 101 ESPN. Blues starting training camp today over at Centene Center. And then their first game in Edmonton, Michelle, is August 2nd against Colorado. We are getting so close, Randy. So close. Having Blues hockey back in action. That schedule for the round robin. And like Kerb said, they're going to be playing three games a day in each venue. So you're looking at five or six games a day across the NHL. The Blues against Colorado on August 2nd, and then August 6th they'll take on Vegas, and August 9th against Dallas. And by by the way, those are home games. I'd rather see the Blues wearing their white sweaters than their blue, but I guess they'll blue for the home against uh, Vegas and Dallas. I'm I'm good with any sweater at this point, Randy. Uh, I am too. (laughs) So let's go Blues. Get it started on, on August 2nd, training camp starting today. Let's go Blues. Coming up, we've got the fight We've got uh, a returning Hall of Famer next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. Welcome to the fight on Character and Smallman on 101 ESPN. In the red corner, the challenger, Average Joe Listener. Listener. 
and in the blue corner, fighting out of the mean streets of Creve Core, the undisputed king of morning drive, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Randy Carragher. Welcome back to Carragher and Smallman here on 101 ESPN 836, which means it's time for the fight. And we've got a heck of a fight for you to start the week off. We have Randy Carragher, mega mind in one corner. And we have Tom, a returning Hall of Famer, our first fight Hall of Famer here on Carragher and Smallman on 101 ESPN. Tom's photo is going to go up on our 101ESPN.com website. He's going to be our first champion in the Hall of Fame. But even though he's a Hall of Famer, Tom is going to come on the show and compete against Randy until he loses. And Tom is feeling so confident today that he wants to take the fight Randy Carragher style, which means he is not going to get the options. He is just going to have to guess himself, but he does get one lifeline. So we'll see if his confidence pays off. Tom, welcome back. Good morning. Good morning. So you're feeling confident today. You want to take this fight Carragher style. I'm I'm 50-50 today. You're so-so. I love it. Okay, well, let's get things started, Tom. Question number one. Who was the last Major League Baseball player to reach 3,000 hits? Ichiro. Blues goalie Jordan Bennington's birthday was on Saturday. What team did Jordan Bennington shut out in his NHL debut? Blackhawks. All right, Tom. Who is the all-time stolen base leader among pitchers? Oh, he's my lifeline here. Is it Greg Maddox, Bob Gibson, or Zach Greinke? And last one, Tom. Cardinals catcher Yadier Molina is celebrating his 38th birthday today. What year did Yadi make his debut with the St. Louis Cardinals? 16 years. I'm going to say 2004. All right, Tom. We have Tanner going out to get Randy. Tom, are you regretting your decision to take this fight character style? Yes. <laughs> I figured you might. It's it's pretty tough now that you've done it. You can have a little bit more respect for Randy, right? Yes. All right. I, can say, I can say I actually am a Hall of Famer, though. Yeah, that's right. Tom, regardless of what happens today, you are still a Hall of Famer. Randy, say good morning to Tom, our returning Hall of Famer. Good morning, HOF. <laughs> Thank you, sir. How are you doing? Fine. How are you, sir? Great, thanks. Yeah, how do you spell hey, You know who I am, Randy. I met you about 18 years ago on Jack Buck, my 30th birthday. And Jack Buck signed my autograph. We kind of met at the old bush that night. Oh, yeah. Okay. Good. He was the best. Yes, he was. All right, Randy. Just so you're aware, Tom took this fight, Randy Carricker style, meaning he got no options and only a lifeline. I'm impressed. Impressive. That's what. How do you spell Tom? H-O-F. All right, Randy. Question number one. Who was the last Major League Baseball player to reach 3,000 hits? I believe it was Albert. We'll go with that. Randy Blues goalie Jordan Bennington's birthday was on Saturday. What team did Jordan Bennington shut out in his NHL debut? The Flyers. Randy, who is the all-time stolen base leader among pitchers? Ooh, this is a good one. Um, I'll do the lifeline. Is it, just so you know, that's what Tom used his lifeline on as okay. well. Is it Greg Maddox, Bob Gibson, or Zach Greinke? I'm going to go with Greinke. And last one, Randy, Cardinals catcher Yadier Molina is celebrating his 38th birthday today. Mm-hmm. What year did Yadi make his debut with the St. Louis Cardinals? 2004. We've got a winner. We have a winner. And still 
world champion, Randy Carricker. Brought to you by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Your best choice for quality tires and expert auto service. Dobbs. Sorry, Tom. Randy regains the throne today. He beat you 3-1. to one. Let's run through the answers here. Albert Pujols was the last Major League Baseball player to reach 3,000 hits. That was on May 4th, 2018. It was a single to right fielder off. Randy, do you know it? I don't even remember. Mike Leake. Oh, beautiful. He knew him well. (laughs) That's right. Um, Jordan Bennington uh, had a shutout in his NHL debut versus the Philadelphia Flyers. That was on January 7th, 2019. He stopped 25 shots. Pretty good. In that game. Bob Gibson is the all-time stolen base leader among pitchers with 13 stolen bases in his career. That was just too obvious. That that was the first name that came to mind. Really? You should always go with your gut, Randy. Well, who am I to tell you how to approach the fight? (laughs) And Yadier Molina, shout out to him on his 38th birthday. And he made his debut with the Cardinals in 2004, June 3rd, 2004, against the Pirates. And he went two for four in that game. Tom, even though you lost today, congratulations. You are our first Hall of Famer. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. Thank you very much. Thank you, and a, a great run. Congratulations. It's great to have a Hall of Famer. So we'll have your name up on the website, and we're going to get you a cool prize, too. Okay, thank you. All right, Appreciate thank you it. very much, Tom. Uh-huh. That is cool. I always like it when a, when somebody wins the Hall of Fame, especially when it's a good person, and Tom's a good guy. Totally, and now the standard is set, right? We have a Hall of Famer in the Champions Hall of Fame on 101ESPN.com. So he's at three, which got him entry into the Hall of Fame. But what we're going to do, Randy, is if you get to the Hall of Fame, you get to compete versus you, against you, until you lose. So Right. It's like Jeopardy. It's just like Jeopardy. So can you go more than three to beat you? The standard is set. Yep. Coming up, can the Blues win another Stanley Cup? We're going to find out from Benjamin Hockman. He talked to the Blues captain about those possibilities. And Ben from the St. Louis Post-Dispatch and STLToday.com will join us to talk about it next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Carriker and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. Nobody is happier with the return of sports than sports columnists <laughs> like Benjamin Hockman of the St. Louis Post-Dispatch and STLToday.com, who joins Carriker and Smallman now via the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line on 101 ESPN. Benjamin, great to have you with us. How are you doing today? I'm fired up about sports. How are you guys doing? We're fired up about sports, and I know that you've got uh, parallel paths here with sports returning and uh, the birth of a baby. How's everything going with the baby? Let's start with that. (laughs) Oh, the baby is beautiful and healthy, and uh, her mom, Angela, has just been a warrior. It's been awesome watching her be a mother. Well, congratulations to the Hockman family. I've seen pictures on social media, and she is an absolute doll. Um, but So, yeah, you've got the birth of your daughter and sports returning. Things are great in the life of Ben Hockman. Um, and I know that you've been writing a lot about hockey, Ben. You've had some great pieces at stltoday.com about the Blues and their chances to repeat. Uh, but you had a great conversation with Alex Petrangelo recently. And um, just give our listeners a little bit of insight there. You spoke to him about his contract status. What, what kind of attitude did he have as he approaches that discussion? Yeah, nothing too out of the ordinary. The, the thing that stood out was he kept saying, uh, we we're, we want to try to get a deal done. 
Uh, I mean, he's, he's not trying to, he's not trying to bolt from St. Louis or anything like that at season's end. Uh, but he has the right to uh, demand a whole lot of money because he is an exceptional defender uh, in, in the NHL. And he's having one of his best seasons too. Uh, it's weird saying having, because it's been quite a while since they've been on the ice yet. The season is still going on and uh, we're heading into it shortly with phase three beginning today. How much do you get the sense that last year's Stanley Cup championship will benefit this year's team in an unusual run like they're about to go on? Yeah, that's a great way of phrasing the question because because it's unusual, I think that's why the Blues will benefit. Uh, we've seen it a lot in sports, especially in baseball with the San Francisco Giants, where a, a team makes a, a long, hard playoff run, wins a championship, then maybe uh, celebrates the championship a little, little too long, and, uh, and it affects the team the next season with some fatigue. And uh, the, the thing is, the Blues had four months off now. So, and, and, oh, by the way, hats off to the Blues. They didn't look that sluggish out there this past season. They were first place in the Western Conference. Uh, but the reality is uh, getting the break, uh, unlike other teams that won the Stanley Cup, the St. Louis Blues uh, kind of get a fresh start and also are really good at hockey to begin with. Ben, I'm going to circle back to Petrangelo really quickly. As you wrote in your piece at stltoday.com, the Blues have a lot of reasons why they are in a prime position to defend their Stanley Cup championship. But the prime reason, as you write, being their defense. When you look at the way that the Blues defense is constructed, how much of an important X factor is that heading into this tournament? It really is an exciting defense to watch. I hope the you know, hockey is such an offensive sport, and we love scoring, scoring, scoring in sports. Uh, but I hope St. Louis appreciates how well these guys play uh, on defense. And, I mean, Colton Pareko is getting to the point where he's like a, like a, a shutdown corner in the NFL, uh, the way he plays. And Petrangelo, of course, is, is always in the Norris conversation. Vince Dunn has improved. Uh, I've, I've talked to a couple, this is not necessarily a name drop per se, but I, I, I tweet with some of the uh, – the, the, the hockey nerds, if you will, the, the guys who studied the, the analytics, and uh, they, 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 they rave about the improvement of Vince Dunn this year. Um, so it, it, there's a lot of excitement about the defense, and, and, of course, the guy behind the defense, or even guys, when you look at Bennington and Jake Allen, uh, they're pretty good this year. Benjamin Hockman of the St. Louis Post-Dispatch and stltoday.com with us. Stop by and pick up a newspaper where you, when you go shopping today or check out his work, subscribe at stltoday.com. Benjamin, I hadn't made the comp, which I think is great that you have, between comparing Gibson coming back for the Cardinals in 67 off of the broken leg and Tarasenko returning for the Blues. To lose your best player and head into, for the Cardinals, a World Series, for the Blues, a playoffs, that is such an amazing boost for a team, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. And Petrangelo made a good point, too. It's like a uh, deadline deal acquisition, but the difference is this great acquisition already knows your team. Uh, he already, he already, he's been a part of your team for, for many years. So, I mean, there's no question that Vladimir Tarasenko's uh, return to the St. Louis Blues will boost the St. Louis Blues. And what a great problem for Craig Berube to have now is figure out which great scorer will have to be bumped down to the third line with Tyler Bozak. Uh, I'm really, really excited to see number 91 out there. Uh, ben, in addition to writing great hockey coverage, you also had an interesting column about Jack Flaherty and how he's been very vocal this offseason. And we know what he can give the Cardinals on the mound, you know, from a leadership and a skill set standpoint. But it feels like he has kind of been unleashed in a way. Uh, can you explain to us just what the tone of the conversation was between you and Jack Flaherty and how he feels like it's very important to continue speaking out on some very important issues? 
Yeah, I mean, the reality is, I mean, a lot of people, and maybe a lot of people even listening to the show right now, say the phrase, stick to sports, stick to sports. And I think that's twofold. One is because they don't want to hear an opinion that maybe isn't theirs politically, which is fair and understandable. And the other is the whole point of sports is we're escaping into this fun thing that, 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 not the real world. Uh, we, we love that. But in the year 2020, uh, with Black Lives Matter and George Floyd and everything that's going on with the protests and the change in our society, players such as Jack Flaherty, aces of staffs, uh, are, are unafraid. And they're going to say what they think. And they're going to possibly even not stand for the national anthem. I'm not saying Flaherty will or will not, but he said it's absolutely possible that some major leaguers don't stand for the national anthem this year. And it's not out of disrespect to our flag. It's out of bringing awareness uh, to the social and racial injustices in our society. I wonder if there will even be an anthem because they don't show it on TV and there won't be any fans in the stands. seems like it could lose (laughs) its effect this year of all years if they do kneel for an anthem that nobody sees. I actually thought about that too, Randy. And uh, I wonder, I wondered though, if they don't do the anthem, if the players will look at it as a way of the league saying, Oh, we don't want to mess with any political stuff here. Uh, so we'll just, we'll just uh, gently uh, not do it. So that, that'll be a story in itself. Flaherty, loves the idea of betting on himself, right? He doesn't have any qualms, A, like you said, about speaking his mind, but B, pointing out that he thinks that uh, Bill DeWitt, when Bill DeWitt said we aren't in a very profitable business, Flaherty was quick to strike back. He, He doesn't have many filters when it comes to speaking his mind. Yeah, and, and it's interesting because he's a very, literally, he is soft-spoken. He's not a screamer or anything like that, uh, but, but he is definitely outspoken uh, when it comes to basically anything, everything from talking trash about how good the Los Angeles Lakers are to something as serious as Black Lives Matter to, of course, contract uh, negotiations and, and the idea of, of the owners versus the players. And yeah, I mean, most people wouldn't go into the media and say anything negative about their boss or, or their ownership. And uh, Jack Flaherty is, is one of the few major leaguers that, that is unafraid. And for fans that haven't really had an, a chance to hear him speak or interact with him, these aren't hot takes from him either. He's a smart, thoughtful guy. No question about it. Um, he, it's al- he almost literally, before he answers any question, he pauses just to make sure he's going to say the right thing. And he speaks, um, he speaks in a way where it, it, it's relatable. And, uh, I mean, for instance, he said like this about, about uh, the protests and, and, and looking out for uh, trying to make change with racial injustices in society. He says, this isn't a political thing. It's a, it's a human rights thing. Uh, and he, he kind of broke it down in a very basic way. He said, like, look, people are being treated poorly. Let's try to do our best to make some changes in our society and just be nicer. And, uh, you know, hearing it that way is kind of refreshing to hear. It, absolutely, it is. And Ben, we've been following along with the Cardinals as they, as they have these inter-squad games. We're going to be able to watch it via streaming, etc. We're we're excited to talk some actual baseball here on 101 ESPN and in St. Louis again. So we got to bring you into what seems to be the recent, at least, debate surrounding Cardinals baseball. What would you do with Cardinal uh, Carlos Martinez, Ben? Would you have him as a starting pitcher or are you going to have him as the team's closer? Well, gosh, that's a great question. Uh, I think in this particular scenario, I'm going to have him as the closer uh, only because of the way uh, KK Kim has, has emerged uh, during this, this preseason, if you will, uh, working out. I mean, 
the thing with Carlos is I'll believe it when I see it in, in, in real action. And uh, the, during spring training, they were very, very high, high on him that he worked out very hard in the offseason and he came back, but he hadn't done that in previous offseasons. Now they're, they're happy with him again, but I don't know. Can you, can you waste a couple starts uh, and have Carlos implode? Or do you do the safe thing and, and put him as a closer in this 60-game season, let him thrive there, and, uh, and go with Kim? Should be interesting. It's great to have sports back. Benjamin, great to talk to you. Thanks so much for the time today. We appreciate it. Yeah, always fun being on 101. Take care. Thank you, sir. That is Benjamin Hockman, columnist for the St. Louis Post-Dispatch, with us on 101 ESPN. Well, we've talked a lot about pitching for the Cardinals. How are they advancing offensively? We'll talk about that next in today's Big Thing on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Carriker and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. Opinions do matter. Time for today's big thing with Carriker and Smallman on 101 ESPN. Powered by SSM Health is here in person or online to provide the safe, high quality and personalized care you've come to expect. Visit SSMHealth.com for more information. We have a release from uh, the Washington Redskins football team. This will probably be the last release that comes from the Washington Redskins football team. It'll be just the Washington team from now on. Washington football team, right? Mm -hmm. So here is part of today's big thing. The Skins say, on July 3rd, we announced the commencement of a thorough review of the team's name. That review has begun in earnest. As part of this process, we want to keep our sponsors, fans, and community apprised of our thinking as we go forward. Today, we are announcing that we will be retiring the Redskins' name and logo upon completion of this review. Owner Dan Snyder and Coach Rivera are working closely to develop a new name and design approach that will enhance the standing of our proud tradition, rich franchise, and inspire our sponsors, fans, and community (laughs) for the next 100 years. I'm laughing, Randy, because the Washington football team is making no mistake. They're letting everyone know the reason that they're doing this is to satisfy sponsors. Mm -hmm. When you mention sponsors twice, and in one of the last lines say you're trying to satisfy sponsors, fans, and then community, you're letting everybody know why this is happening. It's because your money was threatened, your pockets were threatened, and even though you said as Dan Snyder, the owner, this day would never come, at the end of the day, all you care about is money. So when your bank account is threatened, you're going to do it. And I find it interesting, Randy, as well, that in the release that we saw from the team, they didn't talk about Native American Indians, about the culture, about how the nickname was offensive to so many, how this has been an ongoing debate for a long time. It basically is a very benign, hey, we're going to change the name. Sorry to the sponsors. (laughs) It'll be interesting to see specifically how Snyder reacts when they have the press conference. We know that the name change is happening, but apparently there will be a press conference later on today. And It'll be interesting to see, A, if he answers questions or if he just puts everything on Rivera, and B, if he does respond to what you said, that he said he'd never change the name and now he's going to. If you imagine Randy being the the PR person for Washington today and knowing that Dan Snyder could potentially have to answer questions, that would be a scary thought. If I was at 
at all involved in the PR staff of the team, I would say, please just let Coach Rivera handle this. Yeah, please. everything. Just let him handle which is unfair to him because he's the the coach that came into this situation. He inherited this mess. He in no way caused it or has any real control over the decision-making here. But it seems like Dan Snyder is completely fine letting Ron Rivera, Ron Rivera be the, the face of the mm-hmm. Washington football team. Been and there for seven months. Be the face of this mess, really. And that's unfair to him, but he has uh, a better chance of saying something meaningful and saying something that the fan base and football fans in general can endear themselves to. If Dan Snyder goes up there and takes the mic, it's just going to create more of a mess. Dan Snyder's not as bad with the media as Kroenke is, but it's close. But especially in relation to this issue. Right, that's what I mean. Yeah, I mean, this is not just a typical football press conference. This is a press conference about changing the moniker of your football team that has been offensive to people that you have dug in deep on for a very long time. Is anybody offended by Cowboys, by the way? I'm sure someone is, Randy. I wonder if they could put some heat on Jerry Jones just for fun. (laughs) Just for fun? Yeah. There's got to be some offensive aspect to the Cowboys nickname. But Jerry Jones would never. No, but it would be fun just to tweak him about it. It would. But even if if it was highly offensive to a big group of people, I would be willing to bet that he he would take that one to the grave. What would happen if Nike and Pepsi would get involved, though? Gosh, I don't know. And AT&T. See, these are good questions because... You would like to think money matters, especially mm-hmm. AT&T, who is the, the sponsor of Jerry World. But he is the, we like to call him the shadow commissioner, even though yep. he, we know he runs the He's league. the commissioner. He's the commissioner. And we know Jerry Jones is uh, very well versed in backdoor deals. So I wonder if those things would even come to light or if he would somehow make some sort of a deal to satisfy the sponsors. My guess would be that that would be the case. Which is really unfair. The Cardinals are taking today off. They've had an extensive run as Summer Camp 2020 has gotten underway. Sponsored by Camping World. Thank you, Randy. Uh, We've heard a lot about the Cardinal pitching and talked about the depth of the Cardinal pitching and how the Cardinals want to give opportunities specifically to Tyler O'Neill and Lane Thomas. And yesterday, Tyler O'Neill talked about the work that he's been doing throughout the course of the quarantine with Cardinal hitting coach Jeff Albert. What did O'Neill hope to accomplish? Well, the biggest thing for me as a hitter, and I've learned this over the last couple of years as I go through ups and downs, just like everybody, is you got to find out who you are and what makes you successful. You know, I could look at videos from anybody in the league, you know, let's say Moogie Betts, former, former MVP here. I could see how he swings, how he loads, how he keeps his hands back, what his stride is, you know, what his efficiency is, what his extension is, but it works for him. It's not necessarily going to work for me. You know, you could go to, let's say, Christian Yelich, who we see all the time, and he's a great hitter, uh, lands on his front toe, waits, sits way back. And, you know, so I was playing around with a couple different things to see if we could be more efficient and, and really, you know, just again, just being efficient and seeing if we could we could play with that and, and have some improvement there. But it, it comes back to knowing yourself. It comes back to knowing what you can do, what pitches you can handle. And, um, you know, I think we've, we've been working really good there and uh, we've been working tirelessly. We've, I've taken a lot of swings these last few days. My hands are hurt. Michelle, I love the idea that Jeff Albert is espousing the idea of O'Neill hitting as himself, being an individual. There are a lot of hitting coaches out there that tell 
every single one of their hitters, okay, this is how you hit, mm-hmm. and try to get them all hit the same to hit the same way with the same load, with the same approach, with the same step, and every hitter is different. So I really like hearing that that they're looking at other hitters for ideas, but at the end of the day, Tyler O'Neill, you have to be yourself. You have to trust your instincts. Mm-hmm. But isn't that kind of interesting though? Because isn't that what we heard? was the approach that Mark Budaska, the Buddha, would always take with players. Hey, trust your instincts, relax. He would find a little tweak here or there. He wasn't as reliant on the video, et cetera. So while I appreciate that from Jeff Albert, it's kind of interesting to think that they would move on from the Buddha to do an approach that seems at least a little similar. I wonder what approach is ultimately better. Because when we talked to Mark McGuire, he was somebody who said they use way too much video. Mm -hmm. And I think he's a terrific hitting coach. You can go either way. And for pitchers, obviously, video has become not only a a big part of their success, but it's become a crutch for a lot of pitchers. That's going to be one of the problems with people not being able to go back and look at video during the game um, for signals. And I guess it's more hitters than pitchers. But a lot of times, a pitcher can find out what he's doing wrong with just seeing one pitch. Adam Wainwright has talked about that in the past. And so it'll be interesting to see how the the hitters wind up using it and whether or not it's in this particular case, because it's going to be uh, organization-wide, how effective it winds up being. We talked a lot about Jeff Albert. From the time that we last saw the Cardinals play Mm -hmm. a a Major League Baseball game until the beginning of spring training, a lot of talk about Jeff Albert for a a variety of different reasons because we saw the Cardinals offense stall and you had people wondering why and looking to him and perhaps his approach. And, well, specifically because the Cardinals had to make a decision between the Buddha and Jeff Albert. Mm-hmm. They they came out and publicly said, hey, we have two conflicting ideologies in-house, and we need our guys to follow one approach. And so they said, we are going with Jeff Albert. Then you had everything happen with the Houston Astros, who he was employed by, and you had maybe some people in St. Louis making a, a potential connection there, even though he was absolved of that. But I think a lot of people were saying, hey, if his success in Houston was in any way predicated off of a team that was cheating, how good could could he be? Even if that's fair to him or not, those are the conversations that were happening. And I know that the team and the players have been taking this approach very seriously and working this offseason a lot with Jeff Albert, etc. But it's almost... Gonna, it's going to be interesting, Randy, to see how up to speed they are because they're not going to have time to settle in and get adjusted to this approach. It's either going to work right away or it's not. And I think a lot of people are going to be looking at Jeff Albert this season and looking at the Cardinals offense. And the most important thing that you hear from hitters about a hitting coach is they want that hitting coach more as a sounding board. And if there is something little, a small nuance, that's what they want. But nobody wants to overhaul their swing. And what Buddha did was simplify it. My hope would be that the Cardinals aren't in a situation where there isn't somebody in the organization or on the major league coaching staff that can just simplify hitting. That Okay, you need to get from A to B. Here's how you do it. it you don't have to go from A to Z. You just need to go from A to B. Because the worst thing that you can do, Mike Shannon says it all the time, worst thing you can, can do at the plate is think. Mm-hmm. And that's what you don't want your hitters doing. So you, you'd think having them watch a lot of video and getting in the box and trying to think about, okay, is he going to take this approach, et cetera, et cetera, wouldn't be a great thing to do. It depends. 
from a golf standpoint, I like having video to see what I'm doing wrong and being able to fix it. But you don't want to try to become somebody else right. with video. You want to be able to fix what you are and if you're doing something wrong. So there's a place for video, but it just can't be the end all. That is today's big thing on 101 ESPN. That's Michelle. I'm Randy. And coming up, you're killing me, Smalls, is next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. What's totally killing Smalls right now? You're killing me, Smalls. You're killing me, Smalls, with Michelle Smallman on 101 ESPN. All right, you know what it's time for. So, Randy, on Friday, we talked about the NBA players heading into the bubble and how some players were making the best of it and others were kind of complaining about it. One of the players complaining about it being Rajon Rondo. Ah. Right? I mean, we talked about how... That's the way to get out. He said it was like a Motel 6. He was not pleased with the accommodations, and he was getting torched online. A lot of people were saying, hey, this is a $450, $500 a night room at Disney Come on. It's not a Motel 6. All due respect to a Motel 6, right? Well, Randy, he's not going to really have to worry about that anymore because he suffered a fractured thumb at practice. He's going to miss six to eight weeks. You think he did it on purpose? Maybe the place was just so bad in his opinion that he said, I got to get out of this bubble. So he banged the thumb against another player, a ball or something. Or maybe he slammed it in a door and then arrived at practice and said, oh, my thumb hurts. I could absolutely see an NBA player doing that. Just to get out of the bubble. To get out of the bubble, yeah. Now, I don't know the validity of this either, Randy, but this was going viral over the weekend. Uh, A female had tweeted, I've already been invited to the bubble. The season is never going to get through. (laughs) Now, I don't know if that's true, but a lot of people were retweeting it saying, is the bubble going to be a a troublesome situation? It seems like it's supposed to be pretty secure. Mm -hmm. I can't imagine that somebody's going to be able to penetrate that bubble. Let's not use that word. Okay. Uh, (laughs) Work their way into the bubble and not get stopped. Okay, let's not use that either. uh, I can't imagine that a player would be able to invite somebody into the bubble and that person would be allowed inside the bubble. There's a lot of words that you can't use yeah, when you're talking about. Or, well, that you can, but, you know, kind of a double entendre. Is the bubble going to be popped? Oh. See, and this is what I thought was interesting about that, is that the girl tweeted it and was already kind of snitching on a player. And that just tells you how desperately I think even the side pieces want basketball back, Randy. Right. You know, we're so desperate for basketball, for hockey, for baseball, that even the side pieces are snitching, saying, do not invite me to the bubble. I need you to stay healthy. I need this this to go off without a hitch here. Come on, just a month, maybe a week. Come on, just allow the basketball season to take its course. That's right. This will be good for you. You're killing me, Smalls. It'll build character. Will it? Staying in the bubble, Will. Hopefully, right? Okay, well, we got that Rondo news, Randy, and that was a big piece of NBA news, but it wasn't Woj with the Woj bomb. It wasn't ESPN, NBA. I don't even want to call him an insider because he's so much more than that. What's what's an appropriate turn for Adrian Wojnarowski? I mean, 
The purveyor of all NBA information. The seer the of soul. all. Yes. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's kind of like the wizard in the Wizard of Oz, right? He just yeah. is there and he knows everything. He sees all. Well, Woj is um, taking a little bit of a break from ESPN. Uh, he's not. We're not going to hear from him for about a week or two because he uh, is in a little bit of hot water. He, uh, um, Missouri Senator Josh Hawley sent out uh, an email kind of ripping the NBA and their relationship with China, etc. You can find the entire email on his social media feed because he ended up tweeting this. And Woj responded to the senator, just a simple bleep you. And ESPN said, hey, you can't do that. Woj issued an apology on social media. And there, the speculation is that he is suspended for a week or two. But you saw it all over social media um, all weekend, Randy. People hashtagging free Woj. Including NBA players, including LeBron. I don't disagree. I am one of those hashtag free Woj people, especially as a Missouri resident. And I would suggest that uh, this is, somebody tweeted this, this is akin to a college football team benching a star player for the first quarter of their opener against (laughs) Southeastern Wichita State because nothing's going on in the NBA. Now, granted, he's being suspended without pay. Right. But in terms of insider stuff, there's not much going on. It's not like ESPN has a, a great need. So the timing of that unfortunate response to Holly's email was fortuitous. It was. But this is what I wanted to ask you. In any sport and in any media entity, is there... A situation where the media entity needs the reporter more than ESPN needs Woj. No. Woj doesn't need ESPN. ESPN needs Woj, right? right? Because wherever he goes, he's going to be the preeminent breaker of stories. And while in the NFL you have Schefter and you you certainly have guys throughout the NFL that break news consistently, there's more than one person. And while you have Shams and other NBA experts that do get news, it's always Woj first. Always. Yeah, he's the best. He's the best insider in all of media and in all of sports. Uh, One other note here. We've heard people say about basketball players, shut up and dribble. Mm -hmm. I would say shut up and govern. Why don't people say that, Randy? I don't know. That's their job. If you're going to do shut up and dribble, I say shut up and govern. You know, I'm going to defend the sports guys. And I, so will I. And I think there's, you know, a lot of things going on in our country right now to where we would like the people governing to maybe be, I don't know, concerned about those things you and think? not about sports. <laughs> I would say so. You know, yeah. well, I don't know. Uh, and also, I just thought it was interesting that you're having a senator snitch on an NBA insider. Right. You know, I know you want to put him on blast and you got your revenge because he got suspended without pay. But come on, let's not snitch here. Yeah. You know what happens to snitches? We do, Randy. You're killing me, Small. I saw this note in Louisiana, right by the LSU campus. It's off Highland Road. A brand new street sign went up, Randy. There's a brand new road called Burrow Road. Oh, nice. Named after Joe Burrow. It's Like I said, it's right by the campus. It's a, a good reminder for them of the guy who brought them their perfect season, their national championship season, the first since 2007. And take it or leave it, you're surprised it took until July for them to name a road after Joe Burrow. I am surprised. I'm going to take that. 
Do you know if they spelled it B-U-R-R-O-W or B-U-R-R-E-A-U-X? Great question, and I do, because I looked that up as well. It's B-U-R-R-O-W. Okay. And I would have almost preferred it to be the E-A-U-X. Yeah, me too. Burrow. That was one of the great things. He was so perfect for that school, wasn't he? So perfect. And I... I'm obsessed with Coach O. I love Ed Orgeron. I thought he is the personification of LSU football. So you have the perfect coach to to lead this team, and then you have the perfect quarterback yep. to come in, and they were just such a great duo. Go Tigers. Go Tigers. <laughs> I was at his first game. It was against Mizzou. His, uh, coach O's first game as head coach at LSU was against Mizzou, and they just hammered. I think uh, Darius Geis ran for like 295 yards or something like that. Uh, but it was pretty cool because he restored that uh, they have a tiger walk similar to Mizzou's. Mm-hmm. And uh, Les Miles wasn't doing it for whatever reason. Or maybe it just became a bigger deal uh, with Coach O because he's such a Louisiana guy. But, man, that tiger walk, it was – did you go to that when you went to the LSU game? So I didn't go to the tiger walk because we had to um, – Work? Do, yeah, we had to do other stuff. Um, there was a lot of different things we had to do from uh, – from a social media standpoint, mm-hmm. the guys had appearances that we had to navigate them towards. Uh, but Coach O did come to set for us and nice. couldn't have been cooler, couldn't have been nicer when we were going these fall football tours, the fall basketball tours. They're, uh, I mean, these coaches are busy, right? They they come to set for an interview and then they're usually, they're, they're uh, how do I explain this? They're kind of Ushered out. Ushered is a great way to put it. They're surrounded by their PR people, and then they get in, they get to set, and then they're out. Coach O stayed, and he did a social media thing for us. He stayed, and he took pictures with everybody. And it was early on in his tenure there, but he just was so fired up to be there amongst the fans in the crowd. And I was a fan from the second I met him in that moment. That's pretty cool. Yeah, he's he's the best. And also a question for you, Randy, quickly. Are you surprised that with everything going on in the NFL and all this talk about Patrick Mahomes and all this talk about quarterbacks in the offseason, that we're not talking more about Joe Burrow? It seems like we haven't even really talked about him, and he's the number one overall pick going to a, a, a team that we should be talking about, and he's coming off a national championship season. And he seems like a great guy. But yeah. I guess there's just other news that is overshadowing him. But hopefully we'll get a chance to talk about him as a player. But last week, he forged a partnership with uh, the Ohio Food Bank, and he talked about hunger in his speech for the Heisman right. Trophy and so he's forged a partnership with the Ohio Food Bank and he's going to be a huge part of what they do to try to end hunger and homelessness in the state of Ohio. He's an impressive young man. He absolutely is. But with Pat- the Patrick Mahomes deal and you know all these conversations that spawn from that over who are young quarterbacks that you want to start your franchise with, I know more, more of the actually proven guys were in that discussion, but you would just think that at some point people would talk about Joe Burrow a little more. Right. And it'd be pithy to say, well, he's just going to get killed in Cincinnati anyway. Look how long Andy Dalton lasted there. He didn't get killed. He played all the time. So it's not like it's an automatic that you're going to get killed as a member of the Bengals. No, it's not an automatic. It's just... I mean, it has happened with other quarterbacks before, but yeah. not necessarily. It's not a given. I hope we have uh, football for a lot of reasons, but that's certainly one of them. I really want to see Joe Burrow in action. Yeah, I do too. Yeah, good luck if you don't have the NFL package because you aren't going to see the Bengals much on national TV. No. I think they might have a Thursday game, though. That's Michelle, and that's (laughs) You're Killing Me, Smalls. It was great. Thank you. You got it, Randy. Next up, we're going to talk to Danny Mack. We've got our uh, scoops with Danny Mack coming up at the top of the hour, but our weekly hit with Dan is next on 101 ESPN.
Danny Mac will join us momentarily, but Michelle, I wanted to touch on a couple of things here from Major League Baseball. First of all, we mentioned earlier that the Cardinals still have not had Genesis Cabrera, Alex Reyes, or Giovanni Gallegos on the field because of Gallegos' inability to get out of Mexico, but Cabrera and Reyes uh, either testing positive or being quarantined because of contact with people that were positive for the coronavirus. Well, this story in The Athletic is interesting. Protocols in Washington, D.C. and Los Angeles County help explain why certain members of the Nationals and Dodgers have yet to report to training camp despite testing negative. The local regulations in both D.C. and L.A. require anyone who comes into close contact with a person who tests positive for the virus to quarantine for 14 days. Mm. That's affected both the Nationals and Dodgers in the early stages of camp. And Ken Rosenthal writes, the issue might create additional competitive disadvantages for both clubs if it lingers into the regular season. But officials from the teams in Major League Baseball are providing uh, details to government officials in both locales that might lead to updated policies. So if they come into close contact with anyone who could have been infected, they have to quarantine. Correct. And obviously the Cardinals are being as cautious as they can with their guys. But the Nationals had eight players absent and the Dodgers seven. So... Those teams are really being hit hard by the protocols in their local municipalities. Yikes. And, I mean, yeah, that could be very problematic, especially if somebody on your team. What happens if someone on your team tests positive then? What are you supposed to do? Quarantine the entire team? Yeah, Yeah, then you got some real problems. There's no doubt about it. There's another story that is uh, available in The Athletic. Boy, do we use The Athletic uh, a lot here. A lot. They've done a great job. A paramedic in Houston and this is according to Daniel Kaplan, has sued the Astros. He was working at the game, didn't buy a ticket, and in what is believed to be the first lawsuit of this type filed by a non-fan, an emergency services worker who staffed the dugout at Minute Maid Park during Game 2 of the 2019 ALCS is suing the Astros for over a million dollars for alleged significant injuries he suffered as a result of a line drive foul off the bat of Michael Brantley. Ooh, wow. Uh, just uh, He's an, a non-fan, but not an employee of the team either. Yikes. That couldn't have felt good. He was working, his name is uh, Brian Cariota. He was working as a dugout paramedic in an unprotected area, uh, unprotected by netting. In the bottom of the fifth, Brantley's line drive hit him above his left eye. It was traveling 108 miles an hour when it made impact. Oh, my goodness. And he's had multiple injuries, including a fracture of the left superior orbital wall. And so it'll be interesting to see how this lawsuit unfolds. The left superior orbital wall doesn't like sound like something that you want to be impacted, Randy. It sounds like you're... I could be greatly affected by something like that. Absolutely. You'd think that the team, if that would have happened on their grounds, you know, and a player would have caused it, would have already been involved in this in some way, right? Yeah. Danny Mack is here. Have you ever had a foul ball back in the booth? Or is it too high? Uh, yeah. Yeah, we did. Okay. Um, not a, I don't think at the new Bush Stadium, but at uh, Miller Park, yes. Mm-hmm. But not at uh, new Bush Stadium, no. At old Tiger Stadium, when Jack Buck would do playoff games there, he would wear a glove because it was so low. Really? And really? Then after the uh, World Series, fans went down on the field, and the the broadcast booth was so low to the field that people were grabbing cl- big clods of dirt and throwing it into the booth at Jack, <laughs> and so uh, grass, and he was catching it with his glove. By the, was I late? Am I late here? Yeah, this is your double day. Oh yeah, uh, Doug the dog. Blame it on him. Oh, okay, no. we will. Is yeah. okay? Oh yeah, yeah. He had a little bit of an accident this morning. 
Um, had it taken to puppy school. Uh huh. And uh, but everything's good. Okay. Everything's good. So if good. I'm a minute late, I'm uh, I no apologize. Worries. So is Doug the dog? Do you find him to be <laughs> Doug, Doug the dog? Love yeah. Doug the dog. Naturally brilliant because most golden retrievers are. He's pretty cool, man. He's pretty cool. Um, so he's an English, I guess, is what you call English it. cream. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so uh, yeah, man. He just he's Those a lovable better. he's a lovable little guy. But he's getting big. He's got really big feet that he hasn't grown into and ears right now that are really big. Good so, for you. But yeah, he's the, fun. The best puppy stage, though, when they haven't grown yeah. into their paws yeah. yet. Yeah, he's funny. Yeah. It's just cool. So we've got a uh, year-and-a-half-old field line golden, and, yeah, I don't think she's funny anymore. No, I bet not. <laughs> I bet not. So she tore up a, one of my shoes yesterday. Oh, no. She Well, and she's got incredible... Motor skills, fine motor skills. So what she does, she doesn't tear up the shoe, but she's able to get a shoe and take the uh, the sole lining out of it and chew up the sole lining. But the the shoe is fine. I can't get that sole lining out with my fingernails, and she does it with her teeth and tears them tears the stuff up. I don't know if anybody's if you've ever had this or anybody in our listening audience has had this, but we had a dog that we had to put down, also a golden, um, that somehow some way was able to take my underwear or my wife's underwear and I don't know how how he did this but make a perfect circle how he ate it I don't know but it came out and it was an act of god and it was symmetrically perfect how he ate That's it It's impressive it was unbelievable I'm dead serious you're looking at me Michelle like I'm crazy <laughs> it could have been a sock or an underwear or a shirt but it it, it was perfect I mean, if you measured it, it was perfect mm. how he ate it. I'm serious. I don't know how he did it. I'm you, not you're, even you're mad. Both I'm looking impressed. at me like I'm crazy, but I'm being dead serious. No, we, wow. had, we had one, and the, the dog, because I see it in Goldens especially. I'm was dead little, serious. Was, wow. was he a little bit OCD? Because <laughs> well, he was a little like overweight. Our, I know that. Yeah. Our, our Golden Tucker was just incredibly OCD. Like he would see a ball under the couch. And he would lay there and look at it for hours until somebody got it out. You know, the one that he couldn't get so out. So he just, he couldn't handle he was, it. He, no, he, he was completely obsessive compulsive about it. Well, I don't know, man. I don't know what happened with and, this guy, but he made perfect but, circles. Uh, well, wow. it, and it probably had to be perfect. Otherwise, he wouldn't have eaten it. Maybe that was the deal. Yeah, see, my dog, if he gets a hold of socks, it's just shards everywhere. There's, yeah. there's no rhyme or reason to it. He's not trying to cut a perfect circle. It, he just, <laughs> he made perfect circles. I'm dead serious. Did it make you laugh, though? Like, yes. Because when I get the socks that are torn to shreds, I get annoyed. But if I pulled it out and every time it had a perfect circle, oh, I would, laugh. I'd be like, I'm not even mad. I'm We're impressed. just like, yeah, whatever. Okay. Yeah. It was cute, you know. Yeah. It just couldn't wear it anymore, right. but it was a perfect circle. We had one that um, would only take and destroy, as a puppy, she didn't do it once she got older, um, a specific brand of Jones Shoes. Designer was it? I don't remember. I'll find out. Oh, I bet that was really was it enjoyable. Oh yeah, and it was only one. It was only one from a pair, like three different pairs. They find the expensive brands, don't yeah, they? They're impressive. Well, yeah. It's usually the leather, probably that they smell. I would. That's imagine. a good point. Well, you know, be, if it's an yeah. expensive shoe, it's probably a some Very good leather. Nice, right, the well, nice ones yeah. that are really expensive. I wonder why yeah. they only yeah. do one shoe. <laughs> <laughs> That's the other question too. Yeah, right? totally. If you're gonna go for it, get both of them. That is you know such what a the hell? Great call. It is always one shoe yeah. or sock or yeah. sock. Yeah. yeah. Did you guys have a good weekend? Yeah, it was pretty good. How about you? Yeah, it was good. Yeah, good weekend. 
Yeah. What'd you do? Played a little golf. Didn't play well. I was not happy about that, but uh, just hung out, you know, trying to stay safe. Is Definitely your... trying to stay safe. Yeah, please do. Yeah. We, we need you to stay I'm very trying, safe, man. Dad. I'm just, fingers crossed, let's get to opening day and have some baseball, you know? But this was your last weekend, really, without calling games, right? Uh, yeah, I'm excited. Oh, um, can't wait for it either. I'm excited. I'm, you know. Are I, you doing one tomorrow? Yeah. I, I got a call Thursday night. I guess we can get into this. Yeah. Um, I got a call Thursday night, and they just said, the Cardinals called me and said, you know, would you be up to coming down to the ballpark and just getting behind a mic and calling a game. I said, tell me when and where. Yeah. That's a popular phrase it these is, days. Yeah. So right. I said, tell me when and where and let's do it. And uh, they said, we're going to try it. I said, great. You know, we, we they know they're going to try to do some intra-squad games. I don't know. I know today's an off day. Tomorrow, I guess, is an intra-squad game of some sort. I don't know how long the game is going to be. I'm not sure. I don't know if they're going to try to do a full game or, or what it's going to look like. Um but I said, sure, let's let's try it. So we're gonna we're gonna try to do one tomorrow. That'd and be great. I guess what's happening is my understanding is that they started. So they they brought some of the guys and gals from the the scoreboard room down. You know, some of the workers and said, let's let's shoot the game. Like we got to get ready. Mm-hmm. You know, John Ulitz introducing the players. Let's put some music up. Let's let's put some things up on the scoreboard. We got to get ready. And so they've been having um, those employees come down and and get the the ballpark ready and they said well let's cut the game meaning for those who are just lingo just cut the game like let's cut some highlights and put it on twitter and facebook and instagram and those things and people went nuts Mm -hmm. people are dying for sports dying yeah they are dying for sports and so the uh response of that stuff has been immense and so they wanted to to see it so then um they said hey would you get behind the mic and just Whatever we throw at you, just would you do it? I said, yeah, whatever we can do, let's do it. And that turned into just getting behind the mic and just saying whatever we, I have no idea what it's going to look like, sound like, whatever we do. I said, let's just do it. And they said, great. And so it'll be like doing a high school game, I guess, getting behind a mic, socially distanced. I have no idea what we're going to do. We're going to maybe try to get Mo in. Um, I don't know if it's going to be like a Zoom I said, Let, let's maybe try to get alumni or get some of my broadcast partners or whatever, and and just let's let's give fans anything because I think they'll accept anything. They want anything, right? They'll take anything at this point, and that's the that's the way that we're going to approach this thing is just have some fun with it. Good. And will it be on the Cardinal Twitter page? Do we know? So where I think it's, it's going to be accessible. I think it's going to be Cardinals dot com, and then at that point we'll just kind of open it up and maybe put it on Twitter and Facebook and wherever you can try to get it. That's where we're going to go because our and the other thing is when they release this is. Um, people went nuts. They're like, this is awesome. Mm-hmm. Great. Let's just do anything we can to give people baseball because they want to see baseball. And that's what we're going to try to do. And we literally are having, it's a skeleton crew because that's basically my understanding by law. That's all we can have is just certain amount of people at the ballpark outside of the players. So we literally are having people that are going to be doing various jobs at the ballpark that necessarily don't do these jobs literally running cameras or cutting the games or, you know, trying to run the video and stuff like that because we at at the Cardinals just care about putting on anything we can to try to give people a product because they love it. They love baseball. So 
why not? Let's try to do the best we can with what we got, and let's do it. Save some money on food and drink costs, too, because, you know, skeletons eat food and drink, and they just... It well, you'll be at home, there. Randy. You can go to your fridge and... No, I'm talking about the skeleton crew. Goes right through them, right, Randy? Well, it goes yeah. right through them. I was thinking about... I asked my wife this the other day. I said, have we thought about Halloween for kids? Like, our kids oh, still yeah. go out for Halloween. What are we going to do? That kind of stinks. Totally. You, know? you don't want to get, I guess, go to other people's homes and no. get the candy. I mean, it's just another. Th- Put on the list, Dan. Put on the list. I of don't mean to bring a that- Debbie Downer here, you know, but I was thinking about that because my little guys, this would probably be their last Halloween, I would think. They're, they're on the cusp of yeah. maybe this one being it for them. Might have been. Yeah. What'd you I get a text so. about? I was just trying to find out what brand of shoe Clarice oh. ate. Clarice, did you? Was that like Silence of the Lambs or what? No. Uh, okay. Clarice was a wonderful FBI agent in Silence of the Lambs. This Clarice was named after Rudolph's girlfriend in oh. Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. Okay. All right. She thinks I'm cute. She thinks I'm cute. That Clarice. I figured it wasn't Silence of the Lambs in your family, Randy. I just I love uh, Hannibal Lecter. I think he's awesome. He's a good character. I don't know if I'd want to go dining with him. Oh, no, uh-uh. you okay. don't want to provide him dinner. No. Yeah. You'd literally be providing dinner. Yeah, I can't make it. I'm having an old friend for, for dinner. dinner. <laughs> right. I, no. We're going to head He's towards... weird, isn't he? <laughs> anyway. What, what, but I'm, I'm less surprised that his dog was named after Rudolph's girlfriend right. than I am that he loves Hannibal Lecter. It is. That it's that just weird. Sense. Do you remember uh, when uh, Lambeer had to wear the big clear mask? Oh, yeah. And it was the perfect because of his name, and they called it Silence of the Lambeer? Yeah. And it fit perfectly. Yeah. He would have been, basically, he was Hannibal Lecter, He was. He, it fit him perfectly. <laughs> anyway. We're, we're going to head towards Scoops with Danny Mac with our crossover next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. Time now for the crossover. Brought to you by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Your best choice for quality tires and expert auto service. Dobbs, the crossover on 101 ESPN. Text from the 636. It's the perfect Monday morning. Carriker, Smallman, and Danny Mac with my biscuits and gravy. Ooh. Now. I love biscuits and gravy. I do. The afternoon drive show, they they love biscuits and gravy. Mm-hmm. I don't detest biscuits and gravy. It's not something that I would never eat. But even if I was at Cracker Barrel, I would not order it. It wouldn't be among my first five choices. Really? No. I look at you as a... Biscuits and gravy guy, Randy. Just not a... Uh, Wouldn't you think biscuits and gravy absolutely. with him? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Not a big I don't see yogurt bis- and yeah. fruit with you, Randy. Oh, I would sooner <laughs> order, um, yeah, yogurt and fruit and have a little parfait. No. No, no, no. Then biscuits stop and gravy. the lies. Now, I, I like biscuits if you put some honey on them. I like I'm gravy. Sick of the lies, Randy. <laughs> sick of it. Okay, I eat it every day. <laughs> <laughs> The truth is revealed. sausage in there and chunks of sausage. Totally. Yeah. I don't begrudge anybody their biscuits and gravy. I'm more of an omelet, pancake, Mm -hmm. waffle guy. Uh, Let's just be honest. Okay. Let's just, this is about, we're in the circle of trust here. Okay. Mm -hmm. What's, what is it in the, what's he say? The family of. uh, Trust tree. We're in the trust tree or whatever he says. (laughs) Yeah. This is the trust tree. So I've. 
And by the way, we appreciate you listening from the 636 and enjoying your biscuits and gravy. Yeah. I will provide more biscuits and gravy for you. More for us to eat is the old phrase. Yeah, there is. Yeah. I get it, man. Are you a biscuits and gravy guy? Uh, I used to be. You know, I think that'll be one of the, the things that when we pop on the air with the with the the first pitch of Cardinal Baseball, it'll be, um, you know, who makes the roster and, you know, how much has Dan's weight fluctuated this year? <laughs> you know, you never know what I'm going to look like. You just don't know. You know, they love 20, that on social media. That's with, just a social media yeah, staple, with, isn't with it? 20 plus years, you never know what I'm going to look like. <laughs> yeah. You know, it could be thin. It could be a little overweight. It could be this way. You know, that's why I get my 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 suits. You know, you got the Michelle, you got the skinny, you okay. got the real skinny, you yeah. got the heavy guy, you got the medium guy. You just never know. So it's the big reveal. That's right. You just <laughs> never know. You we know. all have those in our closet, right. though. You know, we all have the, the spectrum of, so, of clothes that we, we need. So, so, I yes, I love biscuits and gravy, but I have not been eating my biscuits and gravy for quite some time. You know, this might be a hot take. I'm not a gravy person. Really? I don't like gravy of any kind. Really? You need I, to leave I don't this. like it on mashed potatoes. I don't like oh, it on you biscuits. Need to leave. I know. I know. I'm so sorry. So you put on mashed potatoes? I, I get some Butter? corn, mix it in there. Oh, what? You know, and if, I, if I'm being honest, don't love mashed potatoes either. I'm more of a sweet potato Now gal. you really need to leave. I know. Really? Yeah. I Also, don't love a Thanksgiving menu. Don't really love the turkey. Don't love the mashed potatoes. I'm the, I'm the person at Thanksgiving that loads my plate up with stuffing and Brussels sprouts and sweet potatoes if they're sweet potatoes. Wow. I know you guys are looking at me in a very disappointing way. So what do you eat way. on Thanksgiving? You know, those I, things. I'm telling you, I will get. I'll overdo it on stuffing. Maybe a roll, biscuit, Randy. You we thought need, I was bad have, with biscuits uh, and gravy? Honestly, we need an intervention. Is what you're saying? I'm just I think telling so. you. I think I think mashed potatoes are. Eh. I like a baked potato. Put some sour cream, some cheese, a little butter, work it in there. Yeah. Uh, I love a sweet potato, but it, to me, mashed potatoes, meh. I got to be honest. These last two segments, we need sports back. <laughs> we <laughs> have not talked about anything. <laughs> we do, really badly. <laughs> All right, here we go. From the 636, we rescued a Labrador <laughs> retriever from the pond. We had a large fenced backyard, and we would let the dog out, and we kept finding shoes in our backyard all the time. They weren't our shoes. The dog would be in the backyard whenever I checked on him. One time, I found a bucket of chitlins in the yard. Now, we used to live in North County. After a couple of months and several shoes showing up in our yard and various other items, several neighbors came over and told us that our dog was stealing their shoes from their covered patio and basically stealing whatever was available and would just jump right back into our yard. (laughs) (laughs) You never know with these dogs, Randy. It was a thief dog. Well, that's I, I come home at night, normal season, uh, baseball season, and uh, that's the kind of thing I I walk into the to to get undressed, you know, got the suit on, and all of a sudden there's just a could be one of my kid's shoes, just this, <laughs> it just magically appears, and there's one of the dogs just looking at me looking like, at you, yeah, yeah, like look yep. what I did. Oh, thanks. So it's pride. It's not shame. I think so. Okay. Yeah, it's a job well done. You see, know, my dog will hide. He knows. Oh, he's in I'll, trouble. I'll come home and I'll be like, "Where is he?" Because normally uh-huh. he'll bring me at the door, and I'm like, "Oh, that's why you're yeah. behind the couch." Mm-hmm. I know. I see what you've done. They're the best, though, aren't they? Totally. Yeah, the best. I love them. I'm glad to hear that, that Doug the dog's doing better, though, because when you come yeah. in and you say Doug the dog is struggling, it's always, it's a rough day for all of us. It, it is. You know. I, I, let me show you a picture of Doug the dog. I took a bunch yeah, over the weekend. I've never seen Doug. Yeah. In, in my mind, I have an image of what Doug the dog looks like. It's kind of cartoonish. Oh, my gosh. Doug the dog. He's so cute. Oh, he's a beauty. He is. He's cute. He's a, he's fun. A big boss. He is. He's a good dude. That's awesome.
Yeah. Big paws. He's uh, he's going to be a big fella. He is. He's going to be big. That's great. I uh, I love him. You should. He's my he's my he's my is buddy. He, is he man's best friend? He is. He's Dan's best friend too. Good Although to hear. my kids, uh, especially the girls, they they just they're they're like, if there was a choice between me and Doug, mm-hmm. I'm out. <laughs> I'm serious. <laughs> I'm a goner. <laughs> I'm out, man. That's all right. Yeah, well, you know, I got my place. And, and honestly, dogs. between if there was me and, and Doug with the wife, hmm? wife is taking Doug too. Oh my! Wow! Yeah, yeah. I think I'm, it's probably the same way at our house. Yeah. The great Ben Boyd, by the way, sends a text that he says he's never liked biscuits and gravy either. Thank you, Ben. Whatever, Ben. <laughs> so, uh, by the way, we get another Texas one from the three hundred nine. Michelle also doesn't eat leftovers. Can't be trusted. It's true. I don't like leftovers. Don't look at me that way, Dan. What about it's, the, leftover... it's the weirdest thing about me. It really is. It's the weirdest thing about me. You know, the greatest leftovers are Thanksgiving leftovers. Which is Where they fine. last forever. They're good. Turkey sandwiches. Yeah. You make an open-faced turkey sandwich with stuffing on top of it. That oh, A biscuit right. would be awesome that day. What about cold pizza? I love cold, cold pizza. I've never had cold pizza in my life. The, You've the never had it. The side of it makes me gag. Seriously? Seriously. Never it's had delicious. it. Delicious. Never. Never had it. And never will. I've never had a tomato. <gasps> Ever? What? Ever. Well, you've had pizza, so you've had a tomato. Well, I, yeah. So I, I mean, I like toma- tomato. I, so I like the sauce. I just never had like a tomato on a like a burger. That's remarkable. So you've never, you never even tried it. No. Why is that? No, I don't know. What I don't. M- my grandfather's I'm would bring eat a tomato. a tomato like an apple. He put salt on oh, yeah. it and eat it like an in apple. In Italy, they do that all the time. Disgusting. Yeah, yeah. You literally eat it like an apple. No, I'm, I'm not going to do that. So if I bring in a tomato tomorrow nope. and slice it up, you're not going to eat nope. it? Nope. You've you got to bring in cold pizza. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Would we do that? Would we make that trade? No way. <laughs> no way. I wouldn't do it either. I'll I, eat it's anything. disgusting. What is it you're over... So mine is, if something is warm and then gets cold, it gets kind of a congealed look to the, it, which let, makes me... What's your nauseous. favorite pizza? Like, if you had to order a pizza right now like, for lunch, you know, what, what would you have? Like, where would I go? Yeah. Uh, my favorite pizza in St. Louis is from Union Loafers. Okay, and so... It's like a hand toss. All right, so you, you have that, and you have it for lunch, and you have how many slices, let's say? Well, it depends on the day. Probably two, two and a half, maybe. So then how much is left over? See, this is why you share a pizza with someone else. Let's say you went because you couldn't stand it anymore, and you had to have it because you're dying for that pizza. So you went and got it, and you ordered a, a you know medium pizza, okay? Mm-hmm. And there's... What, five slices left over and you're just going to leave that? No, I would gift it to a friend. Seriously, this is what I do. I will be like, hey, wow. I've got some pizza. You want it? Because there's always going to be a taker. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Did you ever hear the old Yogi Berra story? He was a he was a Jersey pizza guy. He loved Jersey and uh, was in a pizza place. And the server said, Mr. Berra, would you like that pizza cut into four or eight slices? He said, you better make it four. I don't think I can eat eight. eight right. <laughs> did you ever interview him? I did. Wasn't he the best? He was fantastic. Such yeah. a nice man. He was. God, he, he came and, into KMOX one time, and people knew he was coming in, and he was so gracious with his time. First of all, in the interview, he was supposed to do like, it, he'd written you know so many books, and he came in with his publicist, and the publicist said, okay, you got 10 minutes to interview him. He was there, I bet, for two hours, mm-hmm. signing autographs. He did 30 to 35 minutes in the interview, and then took pictures with everybody, and everybody knew he was there. I, he could not have been more gracious with his time. It was it was awesome. No, that 
that group of people that came out of the hill. Oh, my goodness. Just such nice people. Joe Gargiola and yeah. that group were fantastic. It was incredible. Yeah. What do we got coming up on Scoops with Danny Mac? I don't know if you guys know this person. Um, Brad Thompson? Uh-huh. Heard of him. So I want to get into, so if you're a player, and I'm going to start having Brad on Mondays because I, I want to get into his analyst side of mm-hmm. baseball, which sometimes we hear on the fast lane, not often. Mm-hmm. Sometimes we do, sometimes we don't. But if you're a player, so I've been watching a lot of the highlights on Twitter, and I don't know if you guys have gotten into this at all. But do you think that we need to have crowd noise piped into these stadiums? As a fan, I think on TV, we're going to eventually need to have That's it. That's what I'm thinking, yeah. I think we do. I don't know if you're a player. Do you have to have something piped in? I, I It almost has gotten stale mm-hmm. a little bit. Like Mike Trout hit a home run the other day, and I'm hearing it rattling around um, mm-hmm. the, the ballpark. Uh, I don't know. I, I, I think music is something that needs to be looked into. The problem is if you're doing the games... It's copyrighted. Can you do that on the games? I don't know. Is there something that we need to do to do for, especially baseball, that has to be done to, I don't know if it's motivation for players, but do we need to have something for these players? I think they do well to start by just completely ripping off everything the KBO has done. I I kind of agree, Randy. Um, And on the broadcast, do we need to bring in guests? Yes. I I kind of think we, I think we do too. I agree. I, I think initially, we just present the game. I think that's important just to, here we are, here's your guys, there's Colton Wong, there's Paul Goldschmidt, we're talking, we're back, it's baseball, okay? We're reintroducing the game, and I think fans are looking for a distraction. I think that's important. You're back talking about it on the mornings. It's great. There, there's the competition. But, man, when you're game 30, we, mm-hmm. we got to have something different because I think it can get a little stale and stagnant. I do think that. And I ESPN, hope I'm wrong, but I don't know. Yeah, ESPN's done a great job. I they agree. moved outside the box, and they've interviewed super fans and uh-huh. things yes. like that. And some but, part of it, of, but, but, guys, is part of that, though, because we don't know who these players are? Like, we don't know the KBO. We don't know these yeah, teams. Yeah, that's part of it. Totally. But we know Paul Goldschmidt. We know Colton Wong. Right. So, yeah. you know, I, I don't know. I don't know the answer. My my point is, is you can in this season, in this situation, don't be afraid to fail. Try things because mm-hmm. it is. It's a clean slate, and you might find something that works for the rest of time. I agree. I think the camera angles are cool. I think it would have been great to mic players, but we have to be so safe with socially distancing people that we couldn't have asked a technician to put a microphone on a guy. You can't. Right. Can't do it. So I, I don't know. I don't know what the right answer is. I think as we go along, we we play around with it, have fun, and... This whole season should be just, let's have fun with it. Uh, ask BT about biscuits and gravy. I will. All right. Definitely ask him Good. about that. Uh, Scoops with Danny Mac is coming up. Tanner Hendrickson doing a great job as our producer and uh, engineer today. Thank you, Tanner. Michelle, this was a great Monday. Great Monday, Randy. See you tomorrow. We will be back at it tomorrow. Blues first practice today. Cardinals uh, with another inter-squad tomorrow night. For all of us, we thank you for tuning in, texting in, being a part of the show. And until tomorrow at 7, have a great day, St. Louis. That was the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN.